Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Game Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. And Nathan. Good morning everybody. You sound very jolly, Nathan. Yeah. You alright? I'm jolly because I'm speaking to you two on this fine day. Yeah, it's actually not a bad day. I mean, particularly better than yesterday, where mm. just about everything was blowing over. Well, yeah, that's it. Mm, I've, yeah. I've been blew down the street. Yeah. Um, I thought someone had stolen it when I first went out to go and fetch it, and um, it was literally about 30 metres down the street, just laid out in the middle of the road. I'm like, OK. <laughs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. Right, so, on the last pod, we spoke about Take-Two buying Zynga for $12 billion. Yep. Or something like that. And we're saying this this blew the Microsoft buying Bethesda deal out of the water, which was like $7.5 billion, wasn't it? Yeah. And then... On the very same day that our pod released, uh, big lad Phil Spencer at Microsoft goes, hold my beer, and this uh, drops the bombshell that they are Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. Nice. That's and less than hold beer, drop. beer and hold my cake, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. this, this was crazy. Crazy money. Let's say that for a start. A lot of money. Long. It's just that apparently this deal wiped 20 billion off of Sony's market value in one day. Apparently it's like their biggest crash since it was like 2008. Hmm. So what, so what does this entail exactly? So the deal includes taking ownership of IPs such as Call of Duty, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Candy Crush, Tony Hawk's, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro amongst others. But the deal won't be finalised until I think it's July next year, isn't it? Yes. July 2023. Mm-hmm. And Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick will remain in charge until then, where it is then expected he will be removed. Yeah. There's a bit weren't really sure. We thought he might get off, outed straight away. But obviously, because the deal's not gone ahead yet, no. he's clinging on until yeah. the final day. But yeah, well, so, uh, oh, I'll stay on if they want me to. Yeah. Like, nah, get rid. No, thanks, man. So, what's your thoughts on this, then? I think it's very shrewd from Microsoft buying them now. Because we've had all the scandal. The company's been dragged through the mud. Well, that's and they prob- the board, and they've probably got mm. it like a 20% discount, let's face yeah, it. I was going to say, it's actually, it's actually a good deal. And they've wiped $20 billion off of Sony, so that's that side as well. And they've got all these fantastic IPs that they can work with and hopefully do justice. Because I don't yeah. know about you, but um, if they could do something with Spyro, that'd be fantastic. Tony Hawk for you, Mark. Mm, yeah, that's that's the one for me. And let's not forget Pet Rescue. Pet Rescue? Yeah, that's a I mean, I've forgotten it, got. okay. We can revive it, I suppose. <laughs> What's that TV show on Channel 4? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> I don't know. Was it was on the list of franchises that I had, because I was going to like throw it in as like a little joke. Like, listen off, like, Diablo, Call of Duty, Spyro, Crash, Pet Rescue. Right. Um, so the, the question is what this means in terms of games, and I think may, may, most people have been focusing on what's going to happen with Call of Duty, haven't they? Yeah. Because mm. obviously that's the big yearly release. Um, and the question is, is that going to become an Xbox exclusive? Now, there has been words from Phil, to be asked this, so he put out a tweet which said, had good calls this week with leaders at Sony... I confirmed our intent to honour all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard, as you would expect, and our desire, our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. 
So he's saying he wants to keep it on the PlayStation. But it's subsequently come out that there's deals in place for the next three Call of Duty games to come out on PlayStation. But the question is, what's going to happen beyond that? Mm-hmm. So it's still all a bit vague about yeah. what it means here. Do you think it's going to go exclusive? I can see it being maybe a timed Game Pass exclusive, potentially. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility, yeah. Or do they say, right, it's going to be on Game Pass, and then they try and strong-arm Sony and Nintendo into adopting Game Pass as their service as well? Because I think that's what long-term, that's what Microsoft's going to do. Zero hardware, focus everything on Game Pass and sell that service, and just be a service-based game company. So you think they're going to stop producing Xbox? Yeah. Because they've got Game Pass on PC already, so they've already that side will just remain the same. And then I think they'll try and broker a deal with Sony and Mac, uh, Mac uh, sorry, Sony and um, Nintendo to get this to just as a service on their platforms. Interesting thought. I'd be surprised mm. if they stopped doing hardware though, because that means Sony would be the only console, like the major console. You know, I know it's Nintendo, but they don't exactly put out the same games, do they? Yeah, they've got their different place in the market. Is this good for gaming? This acquisition. Are we getting into a monopoly situation? No, I wouldn't say we're in a, in that situation at the minute. Okay, but are we heading towards that situation? If they continue hoovering up companies. Well, mm. what, well, if they got like Take Two, for example, and well, as an example, EA right? and yeah, maybe I think if they did acquire those two developers, for example. I think, yeah, then we could have that conversation, but not right now. Okay. Not with the amount of developers out there creating their own content. I think this acquisition's probably pushed them up in the same realms as where Sony is in terms of their the developers that they've got on board, in my eyes anyway. Yeah. I mean, as, as big as deal this is, there's not many IPs they have that I actually am interested in, personally. Mm. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's pretty, just Call of Duty and Tony Hawk's are really my main ones. I mean, I know you obviously you care about Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be interesting if they tried to port World of Warcraft onto um, Game Pass and have it as a console thing. Mm. Open it up there. Can't see me playing it. Because no. <laughs> let's face it, I mean, it's not what it used to be, World of Warcraft. I don't play it personally, but it's just my perception that it's kind of stagnated a lot. But it does have that like core of hardcore players. But I think it needs something to freshen it up a bit. Do you think it's good, Matt, as a deal? Huh. I mean, I think it's, it's good for Microsoft, certainly. Um, getting access to all those IPs. Um, you know, a lot of positive talk has come out from Phil about obviously looking to revitalise certain... IPs they've gone dormant, and I, th- I think from a staff point of view as well, it's, it sounded like everything seemed quite positive on their end. Sort of being able to do, probably get a bit more freedom with what they want to do, and I think Microsoft are kind of known to not take um, not take, but I suppose not take, take allegations seriously. Should we say they, they seem to be a little bit more kind of diverse as a company as to what we found out, what Activision really is. I mean, I feel more positive about Microsoft, obviously, since Phil Spencer came in. 
Well, this was it, wasn't it? There was like, um, when, I think was it was it on the day or like the next day, kind of after everything got announced. I think there was some sort of like Q and A session internally for like Activision and Blizzard that um, Bobby was meant to go to, but apparently he was like ten minutes late, and yeah. then also left about yeah. five minutes early as yeah. well. I didn't really answer any. And didn't really answer questions. anything. Yeah, it was just like. Okay, this is this is you know this is what Activision is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, from a Microsoft standpoint, it's brilliant. Um, from a consumer standpoint, I do think there is some worrying signs that this could start a a chain of um, acquisitions from either Microsoft or or Sony or even EA. I mean, it was I think it was. It was reported as Microsoft bought Activision. There was actually quite a few companies in consideration of buying Activision. Apparently, EA was one of them. So God, that would have been a nightmare. Um, EA and Activision yeah. together. Well, just on that, <laughs> I heard worrying. that um, Bobby Kotick went to Meta to try and like broker a deal for Activision to go there. Oh, that would have been even worse. I don't. I don't want. But they didn't want to go for it, so I don't want Lee Zuckic having it. I know that's not his name, but I'll just, that's, that's my word. Zuckage. Yeah, I, I think we, we, we've got to do like a wait and see kind of thing. Like what, what's actually going to happen sort of the next year? Like how's, how's things going to go? What is Microsoft going to potentially make exclusive? Cause I could definitely see something like Overwatch. I mean, that's still massive in the esports kind of side of stuff. Um, I could definitely see Microsoft just saying, yep, this is ours now. So. Um, I, I would say if you were a fan of Sony, it might be some worrying times, but I think, like I said, it's, it's probably we've just got to wait and see what comes out of it, really. I mean, where are these memes going around that? Sony's only got Spider-Man now, which is just not true at all, because you've got God of War and Horizon Forbidden West just this year. So. The last of us. I don't, I don't know where I, that comes from. <laughs> I, I think I think the joke is, is that God of War and Horizon are also on PC, so the only... Oh, console exclusive that Sony still has is Spider-Man. Right. So. I don't think they've got much to worry about, though, because it is their game. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. But just going back to Call of Duty, uh, apparently there's been talks that it might move to being every two years rather than every year. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, do you I think this is a good this. or a bad thing? I think this is a good thing. I would welcome this, because then each Call of Duty gets like, at least two years of content as well, and not being ignored after one year. And the developers get more time to develop the game. And let's be honest, like for the first quarter of its life, it's usually a buggy mess anyway. Or things yeah. aren't quite right. Pretty much. So at least look, you'd be able to launch it in a semi-positive state, you know, polished. Uh, well, I mean, I do think Vanguard did release fairly stable. Probably like the most stable Call of Duty the last few years. But there's still, obviously, there was still... Issues. Yeah, there's still a lot of issues. I mean, I know people going on about like spawn issues in it now. It's like, so let's say you're playing spawning. a game of domination. Yeah. So you're playing a game of domination and you're controlling uh, one. You know, you obviously you've got to control three flags. If yeah. you're controlling one flag, and the, the team's got two. I've seen examples where you've killed an enemy and they've spawned behind your one flag that you've got. <laughs> so then they can just shoot you from the back. So it's like you, you've got nowhere to go. So, something's seriously going on. Spawn's, Spawn's always been an issue with Call of Duty, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's been a yeah. constant issue. But every two years, I think that's good. I think it should be done. Well, it saves us having to spend 
money on a full price game every year. So. Exactly. Yeah. We get enough of that with FIFA. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to something else? Yeah, yeah. why not? Uh, okay, so Microsoft, well, we'll stick with Microsoft, but they said they will soon change its Xbox, this is from Windows Central, it says Microsoft will soon change its Xbox subscription services in the UK following a competition and markets authority investigation into auto-renewal practices. Now, I know I can't be the only one who's fallen foul to this. Where, where yeah. you, you've, you've signed on for one of these subscription services, whether it's PS Plus or uh, uh, Xbox Live or whatever it's called, I forgot what it's called now. And then after a year, it's also renewed yeah. and stolen money from you. Yeah, I've been stung with that on PS Plus. I paid 50 quid one year and I felt absolutely robbed. So there was this investigation and now... Uh, so 2019 investigation scrutinised offerings for Microsoft, Sony and Nintendo in the UK, including how services handle their respective memberships. The CMA, CMA has now stated that Microsoft plans to change its Xbox gaming subscriptions in the region in response to the UK regulators' problems. Uh, the CMA states Microsoft will contact inactive subscribers to gaming services like Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold, serving as a reminder of ongoing payments with steps to cancel. Microsoft will automatically cancel those subscriptions if users remain inactive. Which is very unlike a company to do so, isn't it? It's just like, we'll mm. just quietly take that money away, even though they're not using it. Yeah, that's it. They, they won't notice 50 quid going out for you. Yeah. Pro Rotor... Uh, refunds will also be available for those who purchase bulk subscriptions moving forward. Microsoft will also make Xbox subscriptions transparent moving forward uh, with information on auto-renewals and pricing communicated to members. Communications with subscribers will include steps to cancel Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold and claim refunds on accidental renewals. Hmm. That's good. I think every every other like gaming company should try and follow suit because it's kind of part of my process now since I since they got stung with this, every time I renew something, I'll quickly go in <laughs> yeah, and turn the auto-renewal off. And Sign up, my... cancel. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's what they did with um, Stadia. I mean, mm. I had to do that. There's no chance I was going to get stung with that one. <laughs> but no, that's good. That's, that's, that's good for Microsoft. Any other news? Well, uh, just kind of switching over to EA for a little bit. They did recently announce they are developing three new Star Wars games, mm. all from uh, from Respawn. Strangely, yeah, enough. they're all involved in some way. I don't know if they're all yeah exclusive that yeah, but yeah. Well, they're, they're, yeah, I think like I said, they're all involved in some way. So they announced that there's there's going to be a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, As we expected, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was it was received very well. Um, Ooh, very good game. I do need to get around to actually continuing it. It's number one on my backlog to get through. Um, then there was going to be a new first-person shooter. Um, yeah, that's a don't think there was many. Yeah, I don't think there's actually many details about it. But I mean, Restore Spawn are pretty good at first-person shooters. Mm. They've got a pedigree in that. So time for, time for Apex Legends, and they were obviously the original. Um, Infinity uh, Ward, mm. so they've got pedigree there. Um, and a third game, um, which is going to be a, a form of strategy game in a what's one what reading here was a publishing collaboration with a developer called Bit Reactor, um, which is a studio made up of vans from Fire Axis games. So they they made like the XCOM and 
Civilization games. So, what, how do you think this? What form do you think this is going to take? Then, do you think it's going to be like a turn-based? Um, yeah, it could very well be. It could be like a like a what they normally call is like a sort of like a four X turn-based, where it's like it could be like octagonal tiles. You go around maps and stuff, or it could be very XCOM-like, uh, which is again it's turn-based. We so, I remember when the new Battlefield, the Battlefront, sorry, released. Mm. There was a mobile game which played out a bit like a strategy game that was like in conjunction with it. So if you you okay. you earn credits on that and then that'd go into your Battlefront game or something. I, like, I can't I can't quite remember. Mm. I just wonder if it'll be something like that, but obviously console based, I imagine. Mm. Like, yeah, I guess yeah. it could be like XCOM esque. Yeah, I, I think XCOM could definitely that. fit. Yeah, I don't know if I really play it, but. It's an interesting idea. No, it's, it's, it's different, isn't it? Compared to what it's different. Do so. do something more different with the Star Wars franchise, you know? So it's it's good when they try to experiment, like with Jedi Fallen Order. Um, yeah. But this pretty much confirms that um, EA don't really have any plans on making a sequel to Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, I think the came and said pretty much that Dice are fully focused on Battlefield now. They will not be like. <laughs> Battlefront <laughs> That game. <laughs> Which I actually think, you know, learning their lessons, and I'm talking about EA, not DICE, um, yeah. they, they could have probably made a, a pretty good, you know, Battlefront 3, but. Yeah. But, you know, that's Just the hardest thing. grubby hands on things, isn't it? Just for well, that was it, wasn't it? You know? so where um, can we milk the money? Mm. That's what they are. Which is disappointing because, like, I think like I've said on like previous podcasts, like every now and then I'll go back to Battlefront too, and I, I find mm. it is really enjoyable. It's a fun game. Yeah, yeah. Really good now, and it's just it's sad that it's, it it took. It's because everyone's it forgotten about it now, though, isn't it? It's just... Well, I say, isn't it? People have forgotten that it, it was microtransaction to hell. <laughs> so. But uh, you mentioned Battlefield. So, due to the game's poor performance, according to Game Inside Tom Henderson, they're apparently looking at ways to make it free to play. Oh no! But I think it may—it might not be the whole game. It might be like you know something like the you know the portals mode, mm. something like that. I mean that that game's just gone. Yeah, I think if if they do do that, then I think Battlefield will effectively be dead in my eyes. I mean, I, I'm actually looking forward to this one, and I'm not the biggest Battlefield fan, but mm. just in them bringing all the content in from the previous games and the different modes that they showed off, I thought, oh, this actually looks pretty good. Yeah. I might buy this. And then <laughs> it came out with all the bugs, the lack of legacy features and everything else in between. And it was like, right, I, I think I'll wait. Well, I, I, had know, the um, I had the foresight of playing the beta first. Mm. Yeah. And that wasn't good. So. It doesn't sound like it's got much better from, no, from there. It doesn't got much worse, if, if anything. Yeah. I think uh, Matt was going to buy it at one point, but he uh, kind of fought himself away from the uh, buy now button, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. I was pretty close, and then I was just like, mm, no. <laughs> I, th- I think we've got to this point in games now where I think it's very easy to just want to hit that pre-order button. Especially yeah. if it's digital. It's like, oh, I just press this button, that's it, it's done. I need to worry about it. But we've seen so many games release in such dire 
states that you might as well just wait just one day even just see what it's like yeah it's very rare that i pre-order a game now yeah like probably maybe one or two a year and i, I mean i can understand you like wants to pre-order like a physical version or something because you want it you want to have it yeah but you don't you don't need that with a digital one do you so there's there's no incentive to get well I guess people have pre-order bonuses, don't they? Which I hate. I hate that sort of crap. Well, the pre-order bonuses are rubbish anyway. It's yeah. probably like an extra gun and a couple of skins. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. You give me a crap game. Yeah. I'd rather make sure I get a good game rather than get these pants items yeah. that you're going to give me. Which will do nothing to the game. Yeah, definitely. When it's digital, you can't even recoup any of your money back. Yeah. 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 Just a lose-lose situation with things like this. Well, this, but this yeah. Battlefield would be so bad. I mean, Battlefield. <laughs> yes, Battlefield indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I my thoughts on that will not be made public. <clears throat> Wait, I actually think it's a shame, though. So I, I've liked the Battlefields. Well, it's a shame. Serious. But see, like, in, in this way, it's just like... Was it something like um, it started having fewer players than Battlefield Five or something like that? There so like, uh, there's fewer, and then it was like Steam users. Yeah. Got to the point where like Battlefield Five and Battlefield One had more like active users than 2042. I think it's even dropped out of the top 50 most played games <laughs> on Xbox. Yeah. Like that's how Which bad. Is mad. It's, it's a AAA title of that caliber. Which everyone seems to be like really up for when it gets released, and to see it plummet so hard, so fast. I just I don't know how it it can recover. Like I know they're, they're saying, oh, we might have to go like free to play. That's that's like well, that's, that's but then you'll annoy the, the people who bought full money for it. Then yeah, exactly. They'll they'll stop out of you know the um, solidarity. They'll kind yeah. of say, right, I'm done now. They'll, they'll stop at a protest of like, well, if you're doing it free to play it, then refund me. Yeah. Else. And they would have rights to say that. Else then do one. Like, you've lost my trust. I feel really bad for DICE so, uh, over the last, like, few games that they've made. And it's like all this good, you know, favour they've had with the fans over the years is, like, absolutely just plummeted. Like, no one just, wants to touch DICE. They've just been done dirty by year, haven't they? Yeah. This game should have been delayed by a good, like, six months. Yeah, but then they rushed it to market to try and get it from the college of And it's just not worked at all. It's never worked, though. Like, Battlefield's yeah. never yeah. done well against Duty. I think it's got its own fan base, and that's what they need, needed to play on. It doesn't matter when it's released, just that it's released in a good state. Like, people who are going to buy Call of Duty, if they like Battlefield, Field, then they'll buy that anyway. Generally, I don't think it's one or the other. Well, the I don't people that why, play them games. I don't understand why they purposely try and release it around Call of Duty. They'll just release That's it at some other time of the yeah. year. They still get loads of people wanting to get it. Like, say, I don't know, April, May. You know, yeah. mid year. This, this is how they um, screwed over respawn as well with Time Ball yeah. Two. Yeah, they plunked it in the middle. Like, plunked it in between a Call of Duty and their Battlefield. Like, yeah. no. It's the most dumb move ever. They just don't learn the lesson. Just just stay away from Call of Duty. Release it any other time. <laughs> out of all three games, that was probably the best one. So, 
Oh, certainly. I like campaign wise, certainly. Yeah. Don't Absolutely move. incredible campaign. Yeah, but, I don't know what they're doing. Right. <sighs> Shall we move on to the uh, the NFT live? Go then. Love our NFTs. Right. So this is taken from Nintendo Live. Uh, so late last year, Ubisoft announced Quartz, an NFT platform that is to be adopted across some of the firm's most popular games. The reaction from the general public was negative, of course, uh, to say the least, and it doesn't seem like the venture was all that successful commercially either. However, Nicholas Pouard, and that's how I'm going to pronounce his name, uh, VP at Ubisoft Strategic Innovations Lab, whatever that is, has been speaking about the future of Quartz and feels the gamers are hated on that idea because they currently don't understand the benefits of NFTs. So Puard said, I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them. For now, because of the current situation and context of NFTs, gamers really believe it's first destroying the planet, and second, just a tool for speculation. But that, but what we at Ubisoft are seeing first is the end game. The end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they're finished with them, or they're finished playing the game itself. So it's really for them. It's really beneficial. But they don't get it for now. Uh, also, this is part of a paradigm shift in gaming. Moving from one economic system to another is not easy to handle. There is a lot of habits you need to go against, and a lot of your ingrained mindset you have to shift. It takes time. We know that. <laughs> I don't like this person. Well, let's face it, he's right. He's... It, is de- it is destroying the environment, and it is oh, yeah. about speculation. <laughs> Yes, pretty much. Um, what, what I don't like is this, this reselling your items thing. So let's, every game pretty much has a life cycle, shall we say. Yes. So, what, yeah. so why would you sell something in-game ages after you've played it? Why would someone else want to then buy that thing off you? Well, you get less than you paid for it if you go past the mm. general life cycle. But at least you get something back, at least, I guess. I just, I just think this guy's a blonker. He said, <laughs> when, asked, when asked if he expected a negative reaction, Puard said this. Well, it was a reaction we were expecting. We know it's not an easy concept to grasp. I mean, he's, he's just talking like everyone's dumb. Hmm. He's like, but Quartz is really just a first step that should lead to something bigger. Something that will be more easily understood by our players. That's the way we think about it and why we will keep experimenting. We will keep releasing features and services around this first initiative. And our belief is that, piece by piece, the puzzle will be revealed and understood by our players. I, I feel like it, swaying. It, it's understood because, I mean, it's simple concepts at the end of the day. A 10-year-old could understand it. We hope they will better understand the value we offer them. Puard adds that Ubisoft is listening to what our fans are telling us and what their next move is to make sure what we're doing will make even more sense to games. I don't think they're listening. No, they're clearly not judging by his words. I, just, I don't like this person at all. I don't get why he thinks we don't understand it. It's like it, we clearly understand it. That's why there's so much hate around it. Well, yeah. Otherwise, we'd just be like, oh, yeah, this is a new thing. We'll, we'd just we'll be wait to see what happens. We'd just be like, oh. I just don't get the idea of, of this this whole... A lot of people seem to think with NFTs that it's, it's, it's going to be stuff like, oh, it's going to be like skins for your guns that you can then 
sell or use on an, on another game or something like that. But it's like, but we've already had marketplaces like this. You've got CSGO that does it with skins. You've had Team Fortress 2 that does it with items and stuff. But how I understand NFTs, it's not the actual item you own. It's like, it's like the contract for the item. You don't own the item, you own the contract. But then you can sell that contract. But then you don't actually own the item. Why? why? What's the point? What can you do with the item? You can't do anything with the item. You just do something with the contract. Unless I'm understanding it incorrectly. Like, I'm still, like, I'm still very... Well, as he says, you just don't get it, man. Yeah, I just don't get it. (laughs) So... It's yeah, like, it's just an exchange of rights for that thing. That you're that's purchased. it. You don't own. You don't really own the thing. It's just the rights to the thing. But you don't get to do anything with the thing. You get to do things outside of it. I, I've got my own thoughts about NFTs, but yeah, we know. I, I just think all these companies are coming out and talking about it because it's the new thing, and they want it's, to be it's put like, in yeah, it's, it's like the new buzzword, and that that and that's it. This will, I think, in terms of gaming, this will probably be die, die off in about a year. Well, I hope so. <laughs> speaking of new companies going into this, Atari is celebrating its 50th anniversary by combining NFTs with loot boxes. Oh, we love all them things, don't we? The company is teaming up. So this is uh, from uh, Video Game Chronicle. It says the company is teaming up with Republic Realm, one of the most active developers of the metaverse and NFT ecosystem, to sell off a collection that is being dubbed GFTs. You get it? Because it sounds like GIFs. The collection is described as containing giftable NFTs, which initially appear as gift-wrapped boxes, with no indication as to what's inside which Atari says makes them ideal for gifting to others. On a specific date, the NFT will then unwrap to show various different NFTs based on titles from Atari's 50-year history. Buyers will then find out on the date if their GFTs are common, rare, or epic. And there's actually a scale of like the percentage that you can get one of these. According to Collections website, there's a less than 5% chance a purchase of NFT will be rare and less than 1% chance it will be epic. The scheme is encouraging people to buy multiple GFTs, promising that anyone who buys four or more will unlock the ability to buy a fifth surprise GFT. GFT holders will then be eligible to compete in game competitions with top scores offering access to special rewards. They'll also have access to a Discord server where they can trade with others. It's also claimed that GFT owners will have access to more to come in the metaverse, though there's no explanation as to what exactly this means or Atari's specific definition of the metaverse. Atari CEO Wade Rosen said in the statement, the Atari brand is synonymous with video games and video gaming is the backbone of the metaverse. Yeah. What better way to commemorate Atari's 50th anniversary than by ushering in a new era of technological innovation while also honoring the brands that launched the modern video game industry oh how horrible this is i think they've been talking to konami a bit too much yeah oh the more you talk the more i'm just dying inside yeah 
That's all just just pooing and peeing all over their history. There is one thing I'm surprised about that Soldier Boy's not pushing this. <laughs> oh, give it time. Give it time. At the moment, I prefer Soldier Boy to any of these Blade <laughs> developers at the moment. <laughs> it was any console or buy an NFT or something stupid like that. Ah oh, dear. Oh, Atari, why? Atari. Why is everyone jumping on this button? Money. It? Well, it is, is it? I mean, there's no other way of getting around it. It's money. But imagine Atari, this beloved, you know, game company throughout history, and then this is how you celebrate your 50th anniversary. It was like the same with Konami, weren't it? It was like, oh, we're going to celebrate Castlevania this way. Like, no, yeah. you're, you're. I know, but I'm thinking like going on my favorite like gaming history. Atari's up there. And then this. Yeah, so it's a monolith like, of gaming. God's sake. Uh, just stop it, please. I wonder how much they are. Let's have a look. Well, we'll find out in the coming days. Oh, right, okay. When it starts. I think it's... Oh, I don't know when it starts, but should be soon. I'll have a look. Not, not, not that I, I want bother. to see what we get. No, Nathan. No. Just no, what? <laughs> no. No. Stop it, Nathan. <laughs> Got to get that ultra rare super duper NFT. The ET one. Let's get the ET NFT. ET NFT. NFET. Yeah. Moving on. Any other news? Got, got a little bit of news. So, well, we finally got a release date for the new Lego Star Wars. Yay. Uh, the Skywalker Saga, uh, which will be releasing on 5th of April this year. Um, although I do think they've missed a trick and not reversing those dates and doing it on the 4th of May. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they missed a trick there. If I'm well, saying that, but, if the game isn't going to be ready by that point, I'm happy for them. Wait. Yeah, if you want to delay it for a month and, you know, just do it for, like, Star Wars actual celebration day, I'll take that. Um, but along with that, we got a new uh, gameplay trailer for it. Um, I don't know if you guys kind of watched this or anything, but I was actually quite impressed with, I suppose, the ambition of this LEGO game because like no, normally you've got it's, it's got a very stagnant formula isn't there where it's, it's kind of it's third person well not third person but yeah sort. they're great but they all have become very similar yeah you essentially go through levels collecting studs um and you know you, you go through each character's got their own little skill and whatnot and Nine times out of ten, you get to the end, and you, you might fight a boss or something like that sometimes. But generally, a lot of it's just collecting studs. Yeah. Um, but looking at this one, they've they've really had a lot of new stuff to it. Because like now, if you're like playing as say, I don't know, Han Solo, you can go into like a over the shoulder kind of shooter style, which looked pretty cool. Um, and it looks like they've they've really um revamped the combat as well. Um, for like melee stuff and lightsabers, which looks good. Um, graphically, it looks really impressive. Definitely like the most prettiest looking Lego game that you can do. Um, and then they've also got stuff where you can um, you can go from like one planet to the next, but you actually like fly there as well and like ship, and then you can get into like dog fights and stuff, which looked cool. Um, probably one of the more interesting details in it. Is they've got like a, they've got this like voice mode where you can change it from 
actual voice acting from the films and stuff back to like the original Lego style where they just where they make like just noises. But it's still <laughs> like visual comedy in that. Which sounds pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely turning that on as soon as I mm. get it a lot. <laughs> but no, I'm actually quite impressed with, with how this is looking. So it's definitely, back and watch definitely one, one on my radar. Yeah, it's a lot of times it's a package, isn't it? For the price. Well, well there's a lot of games as well, isn't it? So what's so what games? Is it, so what's it covering? Is it just? So it's going to cover the whole movie franchise basically. So from episode so all nine one, episodes all the way to nine, yeah. Right. So it's called the it's it's called the Skywalker Saga. So it's only going to cover the films. I don't know if yeah. they'll do Clone Wars or or anything now like that. Like yeah, yeah. I would love to see like maybe. DLC for like Mandalorian or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. Give me a Mandalorian game. Somebody do it. Oh, yes. Not I'm EA. Not... Oh, yeah. Not EA. But no, that's good. Forward to that one. Hmm. Speaking of films, uh, New Line has announced they are pushing forward with a sequel to 2021's Mortal Kombat film. Do either of you watch this? I've no. not watched it now. Okay. I'm very surprised that they're going to do a sequel. So I'm not sure it was received the best. Uh, no, because they put like they decided to ram some fan fiction character as the main character in it, rather than just using one of the actual characters from the game. I hate when they do that. Which is very odd. But uh, anyway, they've hired Jeremy Slater to write it, and he was the head writer on the upcoming Marvel's Moon Knight series, which is coming to Disney Plus. Mm. Obviously, I've not seen that yet. So whether that's good, don't know. But we'll find I out. I saw the trailer that came out. I'm very intrigued by it. Mm, I watched the trailer. Yeah, I did look up. Did look interesting. But yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Expect to see more tonight. Just, just be better, please. <laughs> Sound a bit desperate there. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of films, has anybody heard that oh, uh, <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson is making a video game based movie? Um, another one. Another one, yeah. Because um, he's done So, speaking to Men's Journal, Johnson said, I can tell you, I can't tell you which game in particular we're doing, but there will be an announcement this year. Uh, we're going to bring one of the biggest, most badass games to the screen, one that I've played for years. Um, I'm really excited to bring it to fans around the world. Of course, we're going to do right by our gamer friends but we're really going to just make it a great movie now i don't know what this is going to be right. it's going to be action orientated surely mm-hmm. of course rock. i think it might be an exclusive to something maybe i don't know exclusive actually maybe not well, I've been reading a few comments on Twitter and what a, couple think it's gonna people, be? a couple of people are saying Fortnite because obviously it's been in Fortnite. Fortnite the film. <laughs> Kill me now. I, I don't think you can think of anything worse, Mark. One person said it's going to be Rock Band because of <laughs> Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that That's was quite amazing. Funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, dear me. Um, I think God of War, maybe. I can't see him as Kratos. I mean, he's certainly built like Kratos. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. But, yeah, but Absolutely I don't think his acting style's like that. But maybe he's not being able to show that side of himself. I don't know. His acting style is very... 
all over the place at the moment. Like, he can do comedy, but he can also do, like, obviously the straight action hero. Just trying to think what. I mean, I know there was talks of Gears of War, but apparently Big Dave Batista, he wants to do Gears of War. I would love if mm. if the if he directed and had Batista as the lead. That'd be amazing. What else could there be? Big. This sort of says he said it's the most one of those badass. Like biggest badass. Yeah. So Some people that, said really Call, of, Call of Duty. No, can't be Call of Duty film. Everyone would just ignore that. I don't know how you would do a Call of Duty film because this is just a typical American shooter, basically. Yeah. Like, which which Call of Duty would you do? Would you do Modern Warfare? Would you try and do like a Black Ops one? Well, it might just be an original story based on that game. Generic soldier shooter shooter. Yeah, yeah, we've Shit. seen films like that. We well, do. Yeah, you do. I can't say being though. But anyway, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he also do one of the the old school? Because um, he's done Doom, but then it was also in um, Doom. He did uh, Rampage. Rampage, that's what I was thinking. I don't know how well Rampage was received. Rampage was fine. Was it like okay. Yeah, it was it was okay. It was nothing nothing to write home about. But it's a video game mover. That's generally kind of what happens. They never yeah, spectacular. True, so. Hey, Sonic's pretty decent. Enjoying that. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah, Sonic, Detective Pikachu. Some are better than others. Mm. Well, the, let's let's be honest. There's just never anything special. But we'll see what that is anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's, Rock's always enjoyable to watch on the screen, so he'll definitely make it oh, enjoyable. Yeah. If you could somehow get like John Cena involved, because John Cena's suddenly become like one of my favorite actors now. <laughs> That'd be insane. Like Mario and Luigi as The Rock and John Cena. <laughs> wow. Yeah, forget about this animated Mario film. We want this. Yeah. <laughs> we want a live action. I mean, people are saying that Peacemaker's pretty good, but it's not being shown over here. Can't get it over here at the moment. Did, I did see the opening credits for it on Twitter, and it's like nothing I've seen before. It's just absolutely bonkers. I do want to watch it based on what people have seen, but anyway. Yeah, everyone's saying. Right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pull us back to some some sad news, unfortunately. It's been reported that Sega is pulling out completely from the Japanese arcade business after being in it for like almost over 50 years. So I think we reported back sort of in 2020. It sold a majority of its shares over to um, a company that was called Gender Inc., I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or yeah. Gender Inc., something like that. But they've essentially, like, gobbled up the rest of the shares now. So, basically, like, all, all the Sega arcades that are in Japan are going to be rebranded over to, to the Gender Inc. ones. They're, they're still going to be making arcade machines. They're not pulling out from, like, actually making the games. It's more about the actual... Ownership of the arcades. Yeah. The actual arcade building, should say. Do you know what you think is pretty sad? Because, like, I remember growing up, there was, you know, there was an arcade over here that I'd, I'd love to go into. And also, like, any time I go to, like, maybe the seaside towns, I'd go into the arcades there. We'd always love enjoying playing stuff like, you know, Time Crisis, Point point Blank, um, House of the Dead, love those kind of stuff. And just seeing how, kind of, like, that, side of the industry is really just 
properly dying off the sad thing. Mm. It's but, sad. But it's it's nice that we've still got places like Arcade Club to go to to like experience this again. Yeah, yeah, it's nice that we've got those kind of places that kind of keep keep it alive sort of thing. You know, keep the history of what our kids, you know, used to be in Yeah. I would do well, really want to go back there, but COVID times make that very difficult, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Going and touching a load of arcade machines that everybody else is touching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the moment's a bit difficult. Yeah. But uh, I'll continue with uh, one of the sad bit of news. So, game publisher Ubisoft has paid tribute to a former player, uh, Michael Kickstar Stockley, who was big on the, in the Rainbow Six Siege uh, scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, he died in October in a car accident. And in the game, they've put an in-game plaque marking the spot he won a round of Rainbow Six Siege single-handed, uh, killing five pe- uh, killing five players in eight seconds. Which one found approval. And I've seen the video oh. of it. That's quite impressive. And uh, the 24-year-old commentated on many of the game's pro tournaments, winning esports colour caster of the year 2020. So it's nice that they've gone and done that. Then there's a there's an image of the plaque here. So, yeah, so it's like just like a metal thing on the wall, which has got his logo on. So you know, oh. esports they have their special mm. logo. So it's got it's his, his, and it's got the Rainbow Six logo next to it as well. So yeah, that's a nice thing that they've done for him. Yeah, definitely. Good, good guy. But check out that video. It's quite impressive. Like. Five, oh, it's only five, five seconds, seconds long, yeah. so... 5.01 and kills all five eight seconds. seconds. Oh, eight seconds, sorry, yeah. Sounds impressive, though. Like, I won't be able to do that on Rainbow Six. I can't kill one. Oh, no, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm not good at Siege. Shall we move on to our wrap-ups? Yes. So, PlayStation, as they do at the end of every year, they offer the wrap-up of how you played their console over the past year. So we decided to go and do our stats, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Let's have a look where we are then. So it begins with last year you played for how many hours? Shall I begin? Yeah, go on, Mark. Yeah, you start. So mine was, I, I, I like mine. Mine was seven, seven, seven hours. Seven hundred and seventy-seven <laughs> hours. I, I was hoping it was going to be six, 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 which would be ah. <laughs> But no, seven, seven, seven. I, I sense, Matt, you might. Above mine? Maybe. Go on, go on. Uh, so, for mine, uh, last year you played for 1,606 hey. hours. Wow. Wow. That was a lot of hours I pumped in. <laughs> that's, wow. that's like more than me and Mark put together because I was on 670 hours. So, nearly at 666. Oh, nearly at 666. Not, yeah. not quite. Oh. Probably, probably called you. <laughs> so, then it broke down the hours of what, like, on PS4 mm, and PS5. Yeah. I sense my PS4 is probably going to be bigger than both of yours because I was a bit late getting the PS5 to you two, weren't I? So, my, so 34% of my playtime was on the PS5 with 261 hours, whereas 66% was on PS4, which is 516 hours. Which was. So mine, broken down, uh, was... I had 34% of my total time was on PS5 at 550 hours, um, and 66% <laughs> on the PS4. <laughs> so same percentage as mine, but you've just had so many mine hours. Mine much more hours, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm at 1,056 hours yeah. on a PS4 time. Um, for me, I had 69% on PS5. Nice. 
Um, and that was 459 hours and 31% on the PS4 at 211 hours. And there's the hours played locally. 463 hours, which is 60%. And hours played online, 314%, which is 40%. Not bad. I've got mine on locally 71%, which was 1,140 hours. <laughs> and online 29% at 466 hours. Hmm. I thought your locally were going to be more than mine, uh, Mark, but my locally, 79% with 531 hours and 21% played online with 139 hours, which is probably 120 hours of that being FIFA. I think there'd be a reason why a lot of mine appears online there, but we'll get onto that. So total days played, 365, so I played every day, apparently. Oh, I switched my PS. Or I switch my PlayStation on every day. Not that I'm really doing that. It sounds sure like it sounds like ten minutes on uh, Red Dead Redemption, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just turn on, get the goal. The thing is, I'm sure I was I was away for some days. So I'm sure there were some days I didn't put on. I don't you know. went on holiday at one point. Yeah. So I don't know how that works, but anyway, that's 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 what it's saying. So that's what I'll say. Doing the 65, and my hours in PlayStation VR. One hour. <laughs> Even though I don't remember playing one hour of PSVR, but <laughs> apparently. You probably so like to plug it in back to like it as yeah. an hour. So what was yours then? How many total days? Uh strange enough, uh, my total days was only three hundred and twenty seven. Oh. Really? Mm. Mm. I didn't play every day. That just means that I put a lot more hours into those days. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was in PlayStation VR. Zero. Didn't touch it. Mm. It's like playing with Top Trumps, this. Top yes, <laughs> that's it. You're winning so far on the PSVR yeah. front, Mark. So for me, I played for 321 days, so I had a good bit of time off. And for the PSVR, nil poire. No hours. I don't think they seem to have these random global community stats, but no. Yeah, nothing to do with me. It's like Death Stranding. I don't think I played Death Stranding last year. Yeah. Right, so we're getting to how many games you've played in the year. This is this is smaller than I expected it to be for me. Well, yeah. Moving on. Uh, 61. Is apparently. Wow. I was I was expecting more. Gee, wow. I that's, put, that's put me to shame. What, that's more? Oh, go on. Go on, what, boys? Mine's 21. Really? I thought 61 was small, but... You've only said 21 games? Yeah. Yeah, I thought 61 was... I thought I played a lot more than 61 games. See see if we can count, Nathan, so it's going to be two loss of FIFA. (laughs) Four guys. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You're already 15% there. Come on. Yeah, we're already 15%. There we go. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to count more. Red Dead. Well, you did. Well, no, let's stop. Uh, right. I don't know. It's going to take forever. Um, I played 47 games. Wow, I've played more games than I've you. That really surprises me. Mm. I, I thought I was going to be like, get smallest one. Mm. But I. I feel like it's not a surprise to me because, like, whenever we do these, like, whenever we go to, like, oh, what have you been playing? You always seem to play a lot of varied stuff. 
I think it's because I play like indie games quite a bit and things like that. Yeah. That like, if they broke it down to like main tile indie, you, then I I think I would probably have played the most main tile and you've played the most indie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think because obviously this is just down to PlayStation, is it? You play things on other platforms a lot more. I think that's mm. the, and maybe that's what we're getting a bit confused with. Could be. So then we move on to the games. So your top five games. So we just do it one by one. Start with five, and then we'll do our fours. Okay. Okay. So my number five, at a total of 58 hours, is FIFA 22. <laughs> All that is just on clubs, I oh. would say, pretty much. Okay. So what's your number fives? Uh, my number five at 86 hours is FIFA 21. Oh, okay. Mine is not shown in number five. <laughs> I've got, okay. I've got no, my okay. main, I've got my main game at the top, and then yeah. three along the bottom. Only three. Okay. But so... My first game takes into account PS4 and PS5, so maybe well, it's well, kind of well... merged it. So I'll do, I can do my number four. And then I'll oh yeah, because we'll next. do one. We'll do four next anyway. We'll, so we'll do four we'll next. Do your, anyway. You do your four, and then we'll do our first. Yeah. So with number four, FIFA 20, 13 hours. Only 13 hours. Maybe that's why you didn't have a five because you. Yeah. Like, do you, do you just. He's just got a select number of games that he plays a lot, and then a lot of like small ones that he's played like barely an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my number four is Hitman 3, with 61 hours. Hmm. Mine number four at 120 hours is Fortnite. 120 hours? Fortnite. Wow. <laughs> oh. Alright, Nath, what's your, what's your number three? My number three is Immortals Phoenix Rising with 23 hours. Yeah. Okay. Mine is Grand Theft Auto V, 66 hours. I Pretty I much, that that's only going to be played because of, like, we're going to play online with my brother. Quick. We're on it for about half an hour. And then we'll go that's and play something else. <laughs> I do I do yeah. feel kind of, like, bad that, like, my number five still has more hours than any of your yours currently. <laughs> well, if you <laughs> enjoy yourself, that's all that matters. Uh, yeah. I don't remember playing FIFA 21 for that long. Um, so my number three at 128 hours is... Call of Duty Vanguard. Wow, if that's just last year, you played I never a lot of hours into that. How many hours? I played a lot of Vanguard. How many hours was that? 128. 128, and when did it release? November. It's like, it like mid to late November. Early, wasn't it? early November, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> I liked Vanguard. <laughs> wow, you really piled it into the before end of year then. Oh, wait till you see my number one. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so name, number two. two. And number two is FIFA 22 with 155 hours. Now a pile. Suddenly, suddenly come and go yeah. up from three to two. My number two is FIFA 21 with 68 hours. You did not play FIFA as much as me on it. <laughs> I was saying that I'm surprised it was 86 for FIFA 21. Well, this thing I don't, I don't play a single player. I, I literally only play it with clubs. I don't play. Uh, I've done that for 22, which is probably why it's, it's not in my top five. But, uh, my number two, which is at 153 hours, was Fallout 76. Mm. 
which I I did enjoy a lot of those hours. I know I've I've dropped off it kind of quite a lot actually, but I did I did enjoy what I played. So so that's why we were dragged into those impossible fights. Yeah, not impossible. Yeah, because yeah. no, do you want to? Yeah, exactly. You just, yeah. you're just, Me and Mark just, just meat shields. Yeah, we were just stuck between these yeah. ultra hard enemies on one side, and then a gas cloud <laughs> on the other side. It's like either way, we turn with dead. So, yeah, and then we went into that fight with that. We just walked into that camp, didn't we? Got ambushed. Yeah. Oh, in the in the cave was it? Oh no, that camp at the end. Yeah, yeah. I got destroyed. And there. then we just got I, I was in the level for that place myself. I, I don't think from then I've pl- I've gone back to it since. Oh, it I have. Oh, yeah. They just put you off. It's just like oh now I'm this. Just die all the time. Shall we go on to our number ones? Yeah. Go on, Nathan. Number one. Uh, I don't think this is a surprise to many. So it's FIFA 21 with 385 hours. Oh, Jeez, 385 that's a hours. Jump. Wow. That's most of your gaming time. <laughs> yeah. This is why a few years ago I decided to get rid of FIFA because I was spending too much time on it. Yeah, it, yeah. Get rid. Because the thing, it, I, I say to myself, all right, it's only 15 minutes a game. I can get a couple of games in on my lunch. For, for example, but like at the weekend I'll have a game and it'll turn into like I'll blink and two hours are gone. <laughs> this is why you need happens. to do what I do. Just just buy for uh, clubs and that's it. I can't, I can't, Mark. I can't, I can't, I can't. do it. <laughs> he loves his career mode. That's yeah. it. I love my career mode and I play every single game and do the 15 years so it just takes so long. <laughs> and once he's done 15 years, he goes to another team, does another 15 years. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My number one, Red Dead Redemption 2, 126 hours. That's, that's it's not down as to, much as I thought. I thought there were going to be more, yeah. That's yeah. down, well, it's, well, it's because it's like every day I put, I go on for the, um, the, the daily challenges. Mm. So every day I'd go on for like 10, 15 minutes, at least. Do like at least the challenge. And yeah, then at least the challenge. Um, and then maybe I might get sucked into other things whilst I'm on it. But that's why, that's, the, that's why that's my number one but I tell you what that's not going to happen this year I'm not going on for the challenges (laughs) but I think that was my number one last year as well for the same reasons I don't think we did did we do 2020? I don't recall us doing 2020 did we? we did although we spoke about it before the pod okay Uh, right well uh, not so many hours compared to Nathan uh, at 310, my number one game was Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Guy I will say most of that will probably be <laughs> through zombies. So. <laughs> well, maybe. Zombies was good, thing. I was pretty late buying Black Ops Cold War. I didn't buy it upon, upon release. Is that in fact, I don't think I, I ever played it. Like. I don't think I bought it on release either. I... When did I buy it? It might have been like a month or two afterwards. It felt like it was Christmas time that I bought mine. Yeah. I think I only bought it like two months before Vanguard. Actually, maybe about three months before Vanguard released. Just because I wanted to do the story. The story was good. I enjoyed the story. I think I might have jumped on for like one online game and I just thought, nah. <laughs> right. So from the tall, well, from our top games of 2021... We move down past another global community stat to see your collection of trophies that you've got. Oh, I wonder who's going to win this one. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, if, if we assume yeah. we you might go, want... You go then. last on this one. I'll go last. Uh, would you like to start us off? Mark, Nathan. we'll go with Mark. Oh, me? All right. Well, I thought we'd go with Nathan first, because I thought... Oh, I, well, I suspect he's might be the lowest. Okay, no, we'll go with Nathan. Well, he might surprise. He's only played 21... So um, I've had 1,620... No, I'm joking. It's, um... <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> so I've uh, had 158 trophies. Do you want me to give you the breakdown? Yeah, go ahead. So 130 bronze, 23 silver, 5 gold, and no platinums. Mm. Okay. Mine broke down to... I've got 160... No, that's wrong. 680 uh, trophies. And they broke down as 498 bronze, 132 silver, 47 gold, and three platinums. Though I don't remember the three platinums, but... Oh, okay. I'm coming in with secret platinums. I know, we never talked about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to recall what they were, but I don't know. Just so easy for you, wouldn't it? Oh, I've looked for you. Uh, I know Astro's Playbook would be one of them. Yes. That definitely will be one of them. I'm surprised you didn't get that one, Nathan. Nah, he can't be bothered, can he? No, well, I Oh, I've got what I want out of the game. I don't chase yeah. the trophies. Fair enough. Not like some. Go on, Matthew. I don't know what you're about. Uh, so, for my total trophy collection was 809 trophies. Uh, that I, broke thought you, down... I thought you'd have more, then. Nope. No. Uh, I'm not going to chase those Yakuza ones. They can... Mm-hmm. Beef gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my breakdown was 606 bronze, which was 75%, 165 silver at 20%, 31 gold at 4%, so you beat me on gold, uh, and <laughs> seven platinums. Seven platinums. I probably won't be able to tell you which ones those were. I can, I can at least remember a few of them, but... I, I'm actually surprised it was a seven because, like, in my head, I had about maybe four. You might have got some early in the year that you just can't remember. I remember, I remember Astro Boy. I remember Dragon Ball Z. I remember a game we're going to be talking about later on. Yep. Now I'm struggling. Technically, I got one for free because I had the Spider-Man remastered and that gave me a free, a free platinum. Let's mm, mm. <laughs> not one shall counts. we? No, it's counts. <laughs> counts. I can't remember the rest. I want to say Spyro, but I did that in last not last year, year before now. So, so. so then we finish with a bit of a random one. It's like, in 2021, there were 37 monthly PS Plus games. And that just tells you how many games you claimed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just a really random stat. But apparently I only claimed 32 of them. So I ain't got a clue where I missed the other five. This is strange because apparently out of 37, I claimed 48, so 130% of the <laughs> PS Plus games. Excuse me? Well. <laughs> Strangely enough, on the website that I'm looking at mine, it's not actually telling me how many I claimed, but I think if I recalled seeing it on my mobile, it was. 48. It was like 30. <laughs> like, I, I didn't get all of them, and now I'm like, which ones did I not? Like, which ones didn't I get? Yeah. What? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to work out which ones I didn't get, but judging by this, it looks like that's a bit of a cock-up anyway. Well, I think that might be including the, um, the PlayStation Plus collection that they put onto PS5. 
maybe. But he said 37 monthly PS Plus games were offered. So surely it'd be just before that. I don't know. Anyway. Well, I got 11 more than that, so I'm happy. Well done. What? You won on that one. Yeah. yeah. Finally. There you go, folks. That's our stats for PlayStation 2021. Right, shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Yeah. Go on, then. Who wants to start? Go on, then. I'll start. Hey. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've got quite a bit to talk about, to be fair. So, yeah, this podcast will be a list of games that I've completed. Sorry enough, I've gone through quite a few games, um, just in time for a certain new game that's come out that's taken some of my attention up. So, I'll start with, well, I'll start with Pokemon Shine Pearl. So... Finally went through all of the Elite Four and did the, the champion, Cynthia. Uh, although it definitely took quite a few tries. I, I started I started abandoning my, um, my I suppose, like forced rules on not having to use healing items and stuff for my Pokemon to try and get through them all in like one go. It's like, no, it's not going to happen when it comes to Cynthia. Like, I got to Cynthia once without doing it and then she obliterated me. So I was like, right, I need to get this game completed because something else is coming out that I need to stop playing and I can't ignore this anymore. So finally went through it. I think I posted the team that I eventually did it with on, on Twitter. I've, I've already forgotten the team. I think it was like, no, I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to try. So I think it was like Emporion, Luxray, Star, is it Staraptor? Staraptor? I want to say Bomb the Snow. My... Polkia, and there's one more. Who is it? Uh, is it it Garvador, I think? Garvador. Garvador. I think that was my team. God of War? God of War. War. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, God of War. (laughs) Yeah. Phoenix just jumped over and just helped me out on that one. So, (laughs) Uh, got that one completed. So that's good. Next one, though, I'm going to run off my list is Yakuza 0. So I finally got that done. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved the the, the contrasting sort of storylines that kill you and Majima go on. And the I don't think I don't think it's until right at the end, sort of the last kind of cutscene, that they actually see each other, which is, which is quite interesting. I don't think they ever ever mix until yeah. sort of the very last cutscene where they're like it's almost like this. This is how how their sort of relationship kind of starts. They kind of they know they know about each other, but it's like the first time they very kind of see each other, which I thought was quite nice. Um, I actually felt quite bad for Majima towards the end because he he never gets the girl, but I suppose in his in his noble yakuza way, he um he sends off one last goodbye, which is which is actually quite nice. Got me a little bit of emotion actually. Um, but I loved the game. Really enjoyed it. Loved loved where it went. Um and I think I'm going to move on to Kiwami 2 next, which is the next one, Connor. Yeah. How I've gone anyway. Like, I went 1, then went 0, yeah. and then went to uh, and 2. So we'll okay. see how it goes. I've got to ask you one question. Did you do the side mission with Miracle Johnson? And is it Steven Spielman? Yes. Yeah. I did, I did all of them, actually. Um, that was really good. That's that just was... such a good submission, that one. Yeah, that was really good. I, I even did the one where you have to face off, uh, you have to face off Johnson in a dancing competition. Yeah. 
which was difficult, very mm-hmm. difficult. I mean, you don't have to win, which I'm, I'm very thankful for, because I would not have. <laughs> yeah. But it was very difficult. Um, but I love, I, I think it's one of the best things about Yakuza is all the side missions. Oh, yeah. Certainly, certainly really good. Um, but yeah, got that complete, so I'm not going to plan it. That's, that's going to be impossible. Although apparently I did a lot more side side stories in this one than I did in Kiwami. Apparently I didn't even get to like 50% in Kiwami. I don't know what. I feel like I've missed a lot of game there. Yeah. <laughs> that I need to go back to, but I don't think I will. It's too big of a game. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on from that. Uh, the other game that I've completed is Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. So I've gone through, completed that. From, from the reception they got, which... I think when it first came out, I think there was some negativity towards it, like saying it was kind of one of the weaker Zelda games. I actually don't think it is going through. I actually, I really, really enjoyed my time with Skyward Sword and just kind of enjoyed all the environments. They were fun. I know there was some negativity surrounding like having to go back through and backtracking those environments and stuff, but I didn't really find any issue with it. Combat's very enjoyable. And the last fight with Demise is is really fun, so I'd certainly recommend this Zelda, certainly. Especially kind of coming after Breath of the Wild, having to go back into like traditional dungeons was actually quite a, a welcome uh, from that game. So, But no, got that one done. Uh, and then I've been continuing with Sea of Thieves um, with my friends. Um, always got funny stories. We, we had one uh, one point story that I'll do where we we got all this like treasure and stuff and we went to a, to a outpost to kind of dump it all off and that and then while we were doing that suddenly we just heard this massive crash and we like turned around and some guys on a galleon had like rammed into our ship we were like what the hell is going on here but then I, uh, but then like they sailed off and then they they like fired like a flare in the air and we were like Okay, it was like, did did they mean there's like an accident or were they just being silly? I don't know. But it ended up being these like four French guys who were all like apologetic. I've still not said that right. They said yeah, sorry. That's right. English, not good. So. <laughs> Say it in French. Say in French. No. Yes, no, no All right. So they were saying sorry and all that. And then, and then one of them just decided to sail with us for like half an hour like just on oh, no. our ship yeah just, just well, so he just abandoned his own crew and just joined yeah it. he abandoned his crew and just like sailed with us which was quite hilarious um defector so and he was like he's wanting us to talk in game and like i, I don't really want to because we were just like who is this guy i kind of just want to murder him and just kind of be on our way and do our <laughs> own thing <laughs> yeah but it was it was actually quite funny it was really helpful i'll, I'll give him that it was it was actually quite quite funny nice to have because we ended up in this fight with like a a reaper ship and he was just he was helping us as well where we he was like firing the cannons he was like boarding up any holes in the in the pole that we were getting so we were like oh he's a pretty good crewman so no it was, it was really funny it was really funny having him board and stuff so but there's so much fun i have with sea of thieves now and it's definitely something we need to get onto at some point it does sound like it would be fun as a three playing as a three yeah no, it's, it's really good. Really enjoying it. One other game that I've picked back up, kind of in a in a brief moment between finishing Pokemon and Zelda and moving on to this new game that we got. Um, I went back to Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. So, 
I mean, if you don't know what it is, if you've ever played like Dynasty Warriors, then it's that, but Zelda related and meant to be like a prequel to Breath of the Wild. But no, picked it back up, um, started enjoying it again. Just did like a couple of levels, just kind of going through different characters like playing as Link, um, Impa and Zelda. All kind of have their, their own kind of move sets and stuff. So Link's very your basic kind of swordsman using sword and shield. And then you got like Impa who's very much like a, Impa's like a, almost kind of like a ninja-esque kind of character in this one. So she's got like, she can like clone herself with like shadow clones and do different attacks and that that's kind of cool and then zelda uses the um like the sheikah slate so all the different like uh, abilities that you had with it in breath of the wild she uses it as like a proper weapon so she'll use like the what is it the thing that can grab objects and you can do stuff about i forget what all these abilities were called but she can use that with like um barrels and stuff hitting him bobkins around and she can freeze time in certain places, and then she can also spawn the, the bombs and stuff. So all, all the characters currently have, like, different movesets, which are, which is really good, and get back to enjoy that. But it's, it's probably going to be on Backlog again, because there was a new game that came out on Friday that I didn't get until Saturday. Thank you, Royal Mail. <laughs> that I think myself and Nathan have been looking forward to since it was announced. So yep. been playing uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, I am about two, maybe two hours into it, still, still in the kind of like the sort of starting area and stuff. But I'm, I'm really enjoying the, almost like the freedom that the game gives you in, in what you want to do in the game. So like catching Pokemon, battling them, battling them. Um, is much like snappier now. Everything's much quicker. It's not like going grass, start a cutscene, go in to find Pokemon, be the Pokemon, get all the stats, get all the whatever's like everything's just so much quicker now. It's like battle starts immediately, you beat it, and then all the stats that you get are like in real time while you just you just run off and do whatever you want. Really enjoying how, how quick battles seem to be now. And I like the catching system as well. Being able to sort of sneak up to Pokemon in grass and um, sort of just catch them while they're not looking and stuff. Or even like, even just how the Pokemon interact with you in the world now, where like some of them don't really care what you're doing. They'll just get on with their own business. Others, like Starly, um, yeah, once they see you, they're like, they're like, they like try and run off and fly away. Um, or you've got like shinks who are just like I'm going to electrocute you now, um, so, <laughs> which is a bit brawl. Um, Pokemon like beat you up now. It's like it's, it's a bit. <laughs> Surprised Peter's not like jumped on this, but really enjoying the world so far um, and just sort of getting to grips with it. Like I'm only I said like a couple hours in, so I'm just kind of getting the grips to it. But I'm I'm really liking it so far. Um, I know there's been a lot of negativity surrounding it purely on the graphics side of it which yeah i can i can see the criticism there in some of it, it does look a little bit janky but i think in terms of like the smoothness of it they've they've done what they needed to do to keep the frame rate and keep the 
yeah, yeah, certainly. There's, yeah, so it runs at like a solid 30 frames per second at most times, unless it gets really hectic. But like playing it is very solid. Um, I do think it is a step up from Sword and Shield, but it does it does make you like think that like I'd want I'd, I'd almost want like I want like Nintendo to sort of have their go at it and like have the polish that like Breath of the Wild does. Because you, you can tell that, like, there's some things that were prioritised by Game Freak. Obviously, the deadlines that they have is fairly strict. So they've got to do, like, the best they can. And I think for at least, like, the shaking up the format is, I think, we've, what we've wanted out of a Pokemon game. Just, like, do something new with it. Well, that's it. I think this is kind of like a transition from Sword mm. and Shield to something new. And I think the next one, that's where we'll see that real polish. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah, hope so. Because, like, like, they've got, like, new animations. Some of the Pokemon's models seem to look updated, at least. And I, I, I just, like, uh, I like the the ambition. Like, this is probably, like, the most ambitious Pokemon game since maybe Gold and Silver. So it's been a long time. But, no, really enjoying it so far. And can't wait to kind of jump back into it. What about yourself, Nathan? We'll go with you. Yeah, well, I'll just continue with the um, Pokemon Legends Arceus talk. Mm. So just to give a bit of background about the way the game starts, obviously your character, you give it a name, give it a look, and then Arceus comes comes in your dream, from what I can fathom, and kind of takes your phone and turns it into an Arceus phone and then drops you into this land, the Hisui region, like 500 years in the past. I think all the character models look pretty good for the for the time period. Mm. Some of it does look a bit modern though, like in terms of the way that they dress. So I'd have liked to, for it to look a bit more like feudal Japan style. I mean, mm. in terms of like the um, clothes that you get given, because you're part of the oh, what's it called? It's like the Galaxy um, Survey Corps. Yeah, like that. that's it. Yeah, um, like those, those clothing, the clothing you get there is really good. And, like, you get given, like, a place to sleep, which is nice, and you can go around and explore that. And you can choose whether if you want to sleep or not. I like that they've incorporated autosave as well mm. into it. That's new. The, the, there was a nice little detail that um, I found on Twitter, actually, that when you're in your house. So, like, once you kind of go from ground to actual, like, flooring, your character, like, takes off their, like, shoes automatically. Oh, I've not noticed that. Like very Japanese tradition. Yeah. <laughs> that's little, it's like little details of that. It's always like, oh, that's, that's actually quite cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there are kind of in more like RPG elements, so you can choose kind of what you're saying to people, which is nice. Because mm, like yeah. in other Pokemon games, yeah, you've had a little bit here and there, but this seems to be a bit more involved. I mean, I don't know how it's going to change the story or if it even does, because the answers seem to be pretty much the same but you'll say things in a more yeah. confident manner or be a bit more sheepish about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what happens is, just going back to the start, you kind of get dropped into this region. The local professor finds you as a chat with you, tries to, like, what, what are you doing here? Where have you come from? Kind of thing. And tries to introduce you to the world of Pokemon. I've got to say, like, the, the professor, I can't, I can't remember his name. Um, he looks Labyrinth, like an idiot. Like that. Yeah, Labyrinth. that's it. Yeah, he looks like an idiot with the hat thing. It just puts me about like he's got no it authority is, yeah. whatsoever. It's, it's a bit 
strange. What oh, the hat thing? Yeah, it's weird. It's I don't how can I describe it? It's like it's like what is it like um it's like a balaclava, but like right. almost combined with like a beanie or something. Okay. I don't know. Nathan will find it. It's uh. But for the actual time period, it is a bit. Yes. Yeah, so what is it doing? Odd. Here? Yeah, I've just, I've just sent it to you now, so you oh. can have a, a quick look if you want to. But yeah, anyway, that's what that's the hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that was. That, I think that was everyone's reaction when we first saw it. But that's by the by. Um, so when you meet him, um, basically three starter Pokemon have run off. And you need to go and find them, and then that's how you kind of learn the catching mechanics of sneaking up on Pokemon and going to catch him. So um, there's a Rowlet, a Cyndaquil, and a Oshawott. They're, they're like three starters. Now, unfortunately, I did stumble across some spoilers, so I know what the final evolution is going to look like. And I thought to myself, to give myself a bit of a um, mystery, I'd go for something different. But I decided just to go for Cyndaquil because it's the cutest for me. Cyndaquil? Yeah. Which what which star did you go for, Matt? I went for Oshawa, purely that the other two I've actually had as stars in previous games. Mm. So I, I wanted like I wanted something different. I was like, okay, I'll, like if if it weren't for that, I probably would have ended up with like I don't know, one of the other. Well, well, yeah, I honestly like Syndicate, but then I'm like, but I like I really like Crowlet as well. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's that's the one that I went with. And then you get sh- and then the the Professor um, yeah, somewhere, Levinson. Levinson, Levinson, yeah, takes you to the village and you meet everybody and eventually you get to go out and do this test to become part of the survey corps. That basically just teaches you about the different variations of Pokemon that sort of Pokemon that run away from your Pokemon that will kind of be happy with you walking around them like Bidoof, yeah. for example, and Pokemon that attack you like Shinx, just like what Matt said. Um, so I think it's kind of a really nice introduction to the game. You get to learn all the mechanics mm. um, and and all that kind of stuff. One of the other things they've added is crafting, which I think is quite good because you can like craft Pokeballs and potions and other things. So you yeah. can go and get like berries from trees. You can go and like get rocks and things and use those to craft items, which which is nice and something that we've not been able to do before. Mm. And I think I'm about two hours in now, so I'm roughly at the same point as you, uh, Matt. So we're at, like in that first section where you can go and catch Pokemon and survey them and watch them do certain attacks. I like that there's two different ways you can catch Pokemon so that you can sneak up on them and just throw the Pokeball. And the, or you could do the battle sequence where it's a bit more like classic Pokemon where you can get yeah. your health down then just throw the ball. Have you been into like a, a multi-Pokemon battle yet? No, I've not done that just yet. Oh, that's annoying. Because I, I was like, so I'm, I'm fine. There was, there was one point where I was like, I was fine the Shinx. And then this uh, Drifloon just appears out of nowhere and then just starts attacking my Ponyta. And I was like, what's going on? I'm fine two Pokemon at once. What's this? What's this about? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. They almost, they almost did, like finished me off as well i had like two pokemon left uh, but i managed to beam both but i was like i'm going back to the camp i need to heal this is, this <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous like i'm 
I was I was impressed by it though as well because it's absolutely seamless. Like the Pokemon literally just drifted in and it was like, okay, now I'm just gonna fight fight with the Shanks. And I was like, what? What is happening? <laughs> that was that's cool. But I like how relaxing it is, and it's kind of a really nice change of pace in terms of a Pokemon game. Like you're not trying to become the champion, and, and in effect, you're not taking over the Pokemon world, but you're just trying to be the best. And it's more well, on just building the Pokedex, aren't you? Well, that's it. You're, you're going out and building the Pokedex, so it's like another another path that you can go on, mm. which is which is good. But I'm really enjoying it so far. It's like really relaxing, just walking around, gathering um, things so you can craft, catching Pokemon. Mm. So it's really good. Really enjoying it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the next game that I've been playing is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So this is a game that I got for my birthday that I'm really enjoying so far. I've, I think I'm nearly at the end, so I'm a bit a bit disappointed. I'm trying to like slow down a bit because I don't want to finish it too quickly. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So the way that Ratchet and Clank starts is there's a kind of a parade going on to celebrate Ratchet and Clank and what they've done in the like the previous games in foiling Dr. Nefarious numerous times. And at the end of the parade, Clank gives Ratchet this um, dimensionator thing. Um, basically what this does is it can open up a portal to another dimension because basically all of Ratchet's, Ratchet's race... Uh, the Wombats have been uh, destroyed, so he's the only one left. And Clank wanted him to see his family um, in another dimension and meet other Wombats, basically. Anyway, shenanigans happen. Dr. Nefarious gets his hand on this gun and something goes wrong. So it starts opening portals everywhere. And uh, Ratchet and Clank get like flung into different dimensions. And Clank uh, meets another one back called Rivet from a different dimension. And Ratchet teams up with Kit. And between them, they basically go onto different planets to try and rebuild this dimensionator. So sometimes you play as Rivet, um, the female one back, and sometimes you play as um, Ratchet. And then between them both, you rebuild it. And then you've got to try and file Dr. Nefarious's plan. Because he's kind of gone into a universe where he's kind of won. And you've got to kind of fight all his minions, get to him, and kind of revert everything back to how it was before. So, but yeah, it's, it's a really good game. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's like, it's, it's a really good platform. And there's some like puzzly elements to it as well. It looks absolutely fantastic in terms of visuals. It's just beautiful to look at. It's like... I didn't, I didn't think a Ratchet and Clank game would like blow my socks off, but this one has. It's absolutely amazing because I thought, oh, the, with the art style, it won't be that fantastic. But no, it's it's great. Can't speak highly of it enough. But yeah, that's that's that one. Uh, the last game that I've been playing a bit of is called Rainbow Island Revolution. So I've been playing this on the DS and. Um, this is basically a remake of a um, an Atari game. And what you have to do is you're this uh, person in this bubble and you've got to try and traverse different levels and stop being hit. So it's a little bit like an old style shooter in effect. Like you've got to try and avoid things, but you can't shoot anything yourself. So it's more about like using the stylus on the bottom screen to try and get yourself through these levels without being hurt enough so that you die. Um, I'm not very good at it. 
So I nearly end up throwing my DS across the room because it's just so difficult and I'm not very good at games. But I'm going to try and persevere with it and do the best I can. So I'll be going back to that and see what I can do. Uh, before we move on to what Mark's been playing, I just want to talk about a little story. So I purchased some Disney Infinity characters from the charity shop last weekend. There's um, Mark and Matt now because I sent them a picture. Anyway, I decided to put them in my games room and put them on the shelf. And um, after I had them all nicely set up, I said, uh, oh, Lisa, come and have a look, see what I've done to all these um, Disney Infinity characters. And she walks in, looks at the looks at the characters, looks at me, and she says, it looks like a nerd room. I'm like, what? <laughs> do, do all the consoles that surround you from 1977 to present day not, like, make that sink in that it's already a nerd room? Has this just pushed me over the top, me just having these Disney Infinity characters? And it looks like it has. So I've lost the respect to my wife now. Thank you very much, <laughs> Disney. Well, not that I'd anyway, but, you know. So, yeah, I thought that thought that was quite funny. It's a nerd room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what have you been playing, Mark? Okay, so I've been playing a indie game called Maquette. So Maquette is a first-person puzzle game. Uh, which takes place in what they call a recursive world. So the main portion of the game revolves around like this dome building in the centre. And inside that dome is a model of the surrounding area that you are in. And somewhere in the environment, uh, there will be objects that you can pick up and interact with. And using size manipulation, that's how you make your way around the puzzles. So I'll take, for example, like the very first puzzle, which is very simple. So you go into this area and there's a big, massive cube, which is too big to move, obviously. And you can see it's blocking a gateway that you need to go through. So what you do is you go into the dome bit where the model is. You pick up the little cube that's in the model, move it, and then that moves the big cube that you've just seen. OK, so you can go up there, you go up a tower. And you notice there's a, uh, a broken bridge. So, you know, there's an air, there's two towers that, you know, you've got to get to across, but there's no way to get over to it because there's no bridge there anymore. So you carry on around that area and then you find a little tiny bridge thing, like a little piece of a bridge. So what you do is then you have to go back to the model, put that bridge on the model, go back to that area and there you've got your big bridge. And, and then you can go across it. So it's that kind of thing, that sort of like size manipulation between these sort of things. Uh, as you're progressing through this, there's a story playing in the background of all this. And this revolves around a relationship between a couple called Michael and Kenzie. Uh, and it's alluded that you're playing as one of these characters. Uh, but it's never stated who. I mean, I presume it's supposed to be ambiguous. And upon completion and certain puzzles, you get like a shortcut scene. Uh, like these these characters meet through their shared love of drawing so these cutscenes are represented by hand drawings and you get a voice over them uh, interestingly I didn't realise until, until the end credits uh, but the couple are voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard and Seth Gable who are actually a real life married couple um, but as you walk through the environment you, you have the, like these diary entries that appear like on walls and things like that as you're traversing and it's about their thoughts and feelings in about the relationship. 
and the puzzles and environments are somewhat representative of that aspect of their relationship at that moment if that makes sense so for instance like uh, things are bright and colorful when the relationship is great and then it becomes like a bit darker muted tone wise when things are a bit rocky in the relationship and that kind of thing all in all it's a very it's a rather enjoyable brain teaser uh occasionally quite frustrating uh but sometimes it's like oh this I, I i just haven't got a clue what i'm supposed to do here so i'll just do something ridiculous so there i'll just i'll just say I'll, I'll just do this whatever and then only for that to turn out to be the actual solution to the puzzle which is very weird uh and i believe it was on ps plus so if you want to give it a try go ahead it's probably one of the games that i didn't pick up I think it was actually a couple of years ago this one because I played it myself at one point. I didn't play it to completion. Yeah. But um I enjoyed it. I played about an hour or so. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh so yeah, I've completed that. But it's next uh, I played one other thing. I played quite a lot of this now. But um, this was actually inspired by something you said on the last pod, Nath. You mentioned you went back and bought the old Forza Horizons. Oh yeah. So I went and bought Forza Horizon 3. <laughs> so this is the one that takes place in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Horizon Festival rocks up, as we do. As we know, this this is how this goes now. Uh, but in this one, I don't know if this... I've not played 5 yet, so I don't know if this is in 5. But in this one, you are the festival organiser. Uh, no, that's not in 5. Well, everyone in this, everyone keeps referring to you as the boss. And by completing various races and challenges and earning fans, you get the opportunity to, to expand the festival. So you start with a festival in Byron Bay, I think it is. And then you get a choice for like a secondary location. And you get you get actually a choice of whereabouts in whichever you want to put it. So I naturally put one in the outback because we're in Australia. Of course, I'm going to put one in the outback. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I opened the third one in a city called Surface Paradise, which I thought was a fictional place because I thought that name sounded ridiculous. Turns out it's actually a real sitter. <laughs> well, Fair enough. One thing I've noticed when I, went back, when I went and played this, the frame rate, you can tell this is back to 30 frames per second. When you've, been, <laughs> when you've played the other... T- well, well when they've played... Because the, the updated Ford in there. To yeah. do the 60 frames. You can tell the difference on this one when you go back to it. It's actually quite jarring to begin with when you realise it. You know, when you go at high speeds and that kind of thing. Mm. It's a bit strange, because it actually, it does play really well. It looks great. It plays really well. But you, it's just something in your mind where it's just like, I can see this is not 60 frames anymore. And it did, I actually, when I started playing it, I did find myself being slightly nauseous, which is really odd. I think, mm. but yeah. But I, I got used to it, and it's, it does play well. It's, after a an hour or so, I was fine with it. Uh, other things that were a bit dodgy is, you know, on f- well, on four at least, you can change your car at any point, can't you? Yeah. This you can, but it costs you 10,000 credits if you want to change your car. Is this an EA game by any chance? And I'm just like, I'm not going to change my car anyway. So you have to go to each of these Horizon Festival locations to change your car for mm. free. Which quite annoying apart from that it plays pretty much the same as all the other horizon games i imagine so you still get your barn finds 
which are pretty cool. He's um, still got your wheel spin things. Mm-hmm. Still got your show showcase events. I mean, there's one where I was racing four power boat. Well, power boats. Nice. Not as extravagant as some of the other ones that have come in the later ones, but probably played a few of them. But no, really enjoyable. But as I say, when you start playing it, just beware of that frame rate. And then you'll get used to it afterwards. But it is good. It is really good. I think as the as an environment to drive around, I think I do prefer it to four. Mm. And I think it's because there's a lot of open roads. There's a lot of straights with like slight curves. Or like yeah. So you can proper speed and then you get to do some really good drifts around around corners and that kind of thing. It's really nice place to just drive through. And yeah. it's really good that you can just plow through like fields and all that. Because you can like go as the crow flies a lot of the a lot of time because it's just mostly open and that kind of thing, which is fun. But they do. I, I don't remember if they had these in four, but they had like a bucket list events where it's like race to such and such before sundown in this Audi Quattro sport mm. thing, whatever. Some of those are quite difficult. There's one way you wanted me to get from a gorge to the other side of the map in two and a half minutes to the city. It's like, the only way I'm going to do this is by going as the crow flies. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that by road. Yeah. So I went went plowing through this and I was still 20 seconds late and failed it. (laughs) So it's like, I I can't see any way of ever doing that one. But we'll see. (laughs) But no, it's really good, really enjoyable. You still have your, you know, your, your photographing your cars, you get your rewards, that kind of thing. I don't get as many free cars for things, which is disappointing. Because you know, normally, you, you know, you do some events and you might get a free car or something, don't you? Yeah. Don't get as many as them. But on the, do you know the um, messages bit where it's, the developers might give you a free car? Yeah. Still get that. Okay. Oh, that's good. So that was nice. But I've got some. Cool cars. I've got a, a Ventador. That's like my go-to car now. Mm. I would want to change my car more often, but I'm not paying 10,000 credits every time I want to do that. But the annoying bit is because my festivals are at each corner of the map. So there's one like the southeast, there's the northeast, and then the northwest. And they've got all this area in the middle where I want to drive, but I can't change my car in that middle bit because I've got to go to one of these bleeding festivals first. But yeah, but apart from that, really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd play that before I play five. Yeah. Then, so then I so the jumping quality is like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I've been playing. So, shall we move on to the video game Hall of Fame? Yep, to the half. So this way, I take a look of a game of high quality or historical importance and inducted into our Panther games we feel deserve special recognition. Inductee this episode was released in 2017 for the PS4. Developed by Guerrilla Games and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, it's Horizon Zero Dawn. Welcome to the Pantheon. Right, so what is Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, where do we begin? <laughs> Should we begin with story? Yeah, go on then. Yeah. Start with story. Uh, cave people with robot dinosaurs. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit more involved to it than, than just that. 
Or should we start with, well, Aloy and the way it begins? Yeah, so you start out as a young Aloy. So basically, um, Aloy gets given to a surrogate father figure called... Rost. Rost. Rost, yeah, called Rost. And she's kind of like ostracised from the tribe because she wasn't actually born there. She was given to them by what they would call All Mother. Yeah. Which is actually just this sealed door that they can't really access. Mm-hmm. And as Aloy grows up, um, Ross trains her and she gets, well, she gets tricked quite badly from everybody in the Nora tribe, which is like their local tribe. So they're kind of mm-hmm. on the outskirts. And in order to prove herself to the tribe, she's got to complete and win something called the proving. So at that stage, yeah. you've got Aloy that's actually I'm I'm going past something because. Well, she falls down she, a hole. Yeah, that's it. Because she gets a focus when she's quite young. Yeah. Yeah. So she falls down a hole. Which is some. Bunker of some kind is the only way to describe it. Yeah. And she finds a, an electronic item called the Focus, which is a little triangular-shaped device that apparently you wear when you're here, and it shows you, gives you like perceptive powers. Is the other way I can describe it. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not. I've, I've seen this. It's not quite on the ear. It's, it's just kind of like almost like on the temple, like on the side oh, is of it? the temple. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's never been quite on the ear. Um, which is a bit of a strange one. But yeah, it's uh, some sort of electronic device which allows her to essentially scan her surrounding area and also reveal some some stuff from what they call the old world. Yes. So she becomes obsessed with this item. Mm. Ross tries to take it off her, but then realises yeah. he can't really, because this is no. pretty much the only thing she has. Yeah. Well, she doesn't know her parents at this point. She doesn't know where she's well, yeah. from. So. Exactly. so they go through that, and then I think as, as Nathan was talking about um go through Aloy so sort of grows up and she wants to be sort of like a, I think one of these like Nora guard things basically she wants to be part of the tribe so she goes through uh what's called the proofing um which I think is essentially I think it's it starts off as basically like a race up the top of sort of a, a near kind of mountain ridge yeah and she gets there first and she does She's Aloy, and then the whole, I suppose, kind of participants will say that was involved in as well. Start getting attacked suddenly, and Aloy has to essentially kind of find shelter away from them. Um, but notices that um, I think one of them is also wearing a focus. I think strangely enough, and this one tries to kill Aloy, um, almost succeeds, but gets saved by Rost who unfortunately sacrifices his life by pushing Aloy off the mountain before massive explosions happen. Yeah, but I was thinking, um, well... Which you would think <laughs> that this would probably kill Aloy as well, given, yeah. you know, the high and stuff. It's like, hmm, does the snow really save you from that high? I'm not sure. Yeah, just buried in an avalanche. Yeah. And that's the end of the game. Yeah. Yep, that's the end of the game. So what do you think of that? Uh... <laughs> So from this, um, the I suppose the the Nora tribe chiefs or, or head head ladies, the matriarchs. Um, the matri- the, is it the matriarchs? Sorry, 
um, they allow uh, Aloy to go and basically find out um, basically what's what's happening because it seems to be linked to another tribe that seems to have started attacking other yeah. tribes as well. She gets bestowed upon being called a seeker. Yeah. yeah. Which I think some some of the tribe aren't too happy about either because mm. she is still kind of trails like the outsider. She's not quite yeah. Nora yet, really. I remember there's that um that chief soldier bloke, can't remember his name. But he treats you like crap. He really Oh yeah, him. yeah. He's he's not too impressed by all. Yeah. Um so you're set forth through through the lands, um and uh, you, you, I think uh, initially you start going to to a nearby village, um, kind of help them out, and then they kind of point you along to where you need to go, which is like this this massive sea. So, a lot. I think as as you make your way to the sea, you you find out there's there's some sort of shenanigans going on there as well, some sort of like civil war between. Is it I think is it the Majara or something like that? Majara. Yeah, yeah because so it's, yeah, it's the Shadow Karja that attack. Oh, that's, sorry. Shadow Karja um, are the ones that attack. And then I think it's like, is it just the Karja? Who's the other ones? I forget who the other ones are. They're essentially there at the moment. Um, but oh, they're having, and Meridian. And then... Yeah, that's it. It says Meridian. Um, Going to be terrible on details on this one. Uh, <laughs> so you get there and then you kind of get yourself involved with... With that kind of sort of war that's going on, sort of figuring out what seems to be happening, while also investigating the uh, the person who was sent to to kill Aloy. You figure some out in in the place that he stays. I forgot what his name is now. Um, oh, where Erend lives. Is Erend? Yeah. You go there oh. and you. Is Erend? Erend's the good guy, isn't he? Yes. Well, the the one that's initially tries to murder you, but then you, you figure out that he is essentially doing all this against his his will. They're, they're holding his family hostage, which is the reason why he's doing all that's this. That's not Aaron who's that, but that's someone else. But yes, no, that's someone else. But that's that's the 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 purpose that's why you of you yeah. going to the sea because you're investigating why yeah. is someone trying to murder you, basically. Yeah, but Aaron helps you investigate that place. Yeah. Yeah. So you you kind of you figure out where this guy is, and you end up finding sort of the the sort of tribe that's that's there as well. There's sort of a part of the thing, and you figure out that through his focus, he's been told by this devil voice that um, you are somehow very dangerous and need to be taken care of. Which I think during this as well, kind of a mysterious voice comes through Aloy's focus as well, and kind of tells a, a little bit of kind of what seems to be happening. But you don't you don't know who it is yet. You just kind of something's happening. You're very important to all of this for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, which I think then you think you come across one of the metal, I suppose, bunkers that's uh, similar to. The one that's the Noros have. You end up coming across uh, this like metal structure, basically. It's the same door, but when it scans you this time, it it seems to accept who you know Aloy in, who keeps on calling her. Is it Doctor Sobek? Sobek, yeah. Yeah, Elizabeth so- Sobek. 
yeah so you go through this massive male structure and you start figuring out um a little bit more kind of the plot and the story of of the history of the whole land that you're in so you start figuring out that back in the the old world there was this i suppose project to to make um or made soldiers or, or peacekeepers or what they call peacekeepers yeah there were that was going to keep the peace obviously but unfortunately one of these branches or plants um a virus kind of got in and started affecting these uh, these robots who are now essentially turning on all humanity and all of um, anything that's living basically any like bio material that they can get their hands on they can reproduce themselves and and um, start gobbling up the whole planet um so you kind of you start figuring out stuff about what that what that seems to be happening and then i think this is where the mysterious voice also introduces themselves as it's, it's sirens silence silence yes silence. um and i think he's basically directs you to go to this like basically the most dangerous part of the land basically where this like seems to be this massive broken down machine is you need to go there to sort of learn more about your past as well because your past seems to be or Aloy's past seems to be linked to, to the old world so you go over there you go through kill some dastardly machines um well we've not this... really explained that the world is populated by machines well really yeah, there's that. also the start of it yeah so if we if we reverse back um the whole land has been populated by machines that initially start out friendly um humans and these machines do sort of get along until something triggers them something in these machines basically they start going a bit rogue in effect and essentially like it's almost like their the programming has been reverted back in, in a way but we get to this we get to this point and you you go deeper within the i forget what it's called is it like the devil's something isn't it i think devil's thirst is it that sounds that sounds about right I can't remember. having already like fought off like massive songbirds just to get there so i think you, you you work yourself deeper into it um take out the the tribe that seems to be working for this devil and you you essentially find sort of like an ai there hades i know within the story you find out that hades is the one that seemed to that they either gets affected. Well, I think the so you know each AI had their own bunker. Yes. I think the one that you go into, that you figure out all the stuff is is one of them. I might I might I've probably got it mixed up. But you essentially work out that um, there was this project Zero Dawn, where they were going to to essentially save all of humanity. They were going to essentially reset the planet. Where these AIs would come on and, and essentially re reteach all of humanity that would they're still surviving at that point. Basically, like what happened in the old world and, and all the technology and information that they had at that time to be able to rebuild the world. But unfortunately, the this uh, this I suppose one of the AIs, Hades, that was built as sort of like a, a, a failsafe if things went wrong, was the one that got caught by the virus, which then starts 
affecting the other AI and to to start essentially building these machines to essentially take back the world or, or put it back into a, a state where humans basically didn't exist or any living whatever. Yeah, it's basically like a reset procedure so that everything yeah. goes back to the way it was. So Gaia could reset it again. Well, so yeah, you find out that Gaia is like the, the main AI that can, that controls all the other AIs to, to start this process. But because Hades got affected and starts affecting all the other AI, um, Gaia wants to self like self-destruct basically um, on these AI so that humans would eventually have to... I suppose adapt to to the new world in effect, but I think Hades caught catches wind of it and essentially stops stops um, guy from doing the self self destruct. So I think they go into a whole sort of like a, a self imposed freeze or something like that. Like they they stop working basically while the world essentially populates itself or repopulates itself with humans and these machines but not in the way that obviously the project wired it to. Um, and throughout kind of all of this, you figure out that um, Aloy is actually a cloned version of um, Elizabeth Sobek, which Aloy is like not wanting to believe. She's like, oh, I'm basically like these machines then. Um, I'm just, I've been made for a purpose. I don't have my own life and whatnot. So... I think this essentially this all ends up leading to I think I think silence comes back and basically tells Aloy that they need to stop Hades basically to to be able to let the the world kind of basically get along as as how it is now like all our information's lost it's just it's just kind of how it is basically although he has his own kind of agenda yeah agenda about all that information well, he's always a very mysterious character throughout the entire thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, he's just, you know, he leads you through things, but doesn't tell you why you're really doing it. So he's got his own agenda to that. So I think you you go back to um, Meridian, who at this point, Hades has like brought all of his, his tribe that he's managed to convince to work for it to attack the entire city. So you're defending the city from that kind of siege, loads of robots, it's very annoying. <laughs> they start attacking. Although you you know you've got decent equipment to kind of fend them off for a certain extent. And then the I think it's the city walls get breached. And I think you get. So I, I, I know I'm missing quite a big chunk because there, there is a point. There's a point where there's a there's the, the tribe kind of chief. And is it Torin? I think something like that. Who's his name? I'm not I'm not quite sure. There is at one point you get captured by by him. I think I think this is before you you get directed by silence to go to the to the devils first actually sorry I'm missing a massive chunk so uh, <laughs> I think you get captured by him at one point and you get put into this arena thing where you have to fend off against robots without much of your equipment I think at this point this is where silence comes in and saves you and that's the first I suppose introduction to silence physically anyway yeah. to Aloy. Which I've seen him by hologram so far. I mean. Yeah. So this is the point where I think he directs her to, to the devil's thirst to learn basically about her past and stuff. And this is where she comes back. You do the whole city siege. And then I think at some point you do like a final battle with Hades. Who's this? Who's just in like this metal dome thing. But you end up fighting this like corrupted 
Wait, well, I think, I think it's called a corrupter. That's it, yeah, a corrupted peacekeeper. So you fire him off, and then you essentially sort of kill Hades. Like, you, you jab your, your staff in the um You kind of neutralise him, don't you? Yeah, because you, like, you get this final, like, um, piece of it from the devil's thirst that you put into your staff that silence gives you. That helps, obviously, convert the machines to to help you and stuff. So she sticks that in, and it's a massive explosion, and you defeated Hades. And so I think at that point, I think... Aloy goes to find where Elizabeth died. Yeah, she goes back to like Elizabeth's original home. And then she uses the focus to kind of find out what her last words were. Mm. And um, Elizabeth goes on to talk about what she'd want from like a daughter and that pretty much mirrors what Aloy is which pretty is much. a nice yeah. moment for her no it's, yeah it's a, it's a it's a pretty touching moment for Aloy kind of finding her I suppose original self and then I think the game ends at that point well no, oh well there's a post post credit yeah we think the game ends there is a post credit as uh, as Marv would love to do so we see that I suppose the the I suppose essence of Hades comes out comes out of the machine and ends up flying all the way into this like lantern like, like, like a yeah. bird lantern thing, <laughs> um, which Silence has because he's he's not quite done with Hades because he still wants to know more about the old world and the information that Hades has, including the you know the the people that started the virus to begin with that essentially infected Hades because we don't know who they are but apparently Silence wants to know Silence's thirst for knowledge can never mm, be quenched that's it so it ends at him being at one of these massive machine things that Aloy was at at the Devil's Thirst essentially confirming that there seem to have been multiple of these yeah so that's, that's where the game ends so I'm sure there's a lot of key details in that that we missed out on, but that was a, that was a very brief summary. <laughs> so just go back to the um the whole project Simeon Dawn thing. Yeah. Now did you did you ever read up on the um you know the notepads and things like that are laying around data pads? Well, I listened to all of the. I listened to yeah, I listened to all the recordings that had come out, but I didn't I didn't really read any much of the text and stuff that you. So got. did you see? Did you read? Well, you might not have seen this, but did you read about? how they actually got people involved in the in the actual project. So basically they kidnapped them. They, did, they kidnapped yeah. some scientists. Oh, yeah, no, I heard about it, yeah. Yeah, because Elizabeth had like a, a an alpha list and like a beta list of people that she wanted and then they just went out and said, right, we're getting you. But I thought this was just interesting about, this kind of gives you an idea of why it is controversial, this project. So on this data, on these databads, it's, so these people get taken. And they get bring to this facility. And it says this. Uh, so this is what it said in the databad. It says, you are now in possession of information regarding the true nature and purpose of Project Zero Dawn, classified far above top secret. As such, we regret that you cannot be allowed to leave this facility. There are three options available to you at this point. Please consider each carefully. Trained counsellors are standing by to assist you in making your choice. One, participation. You will be assigned to a sub-project team based on your area of expertise. You should be aware that the way forward will be difficult and the project's outcome is uncertain. You will be expected to work a minimum of 80 hours per week. 
and your communications with family members will be strictly limited and monitored in real time. Upon successful completion of the project, you and your immediate family, or two persons of your choosing, will be transferred to the Elysium, sealed habitat to live out the remainder of your natural lives. So you get one choice. That's one choice out of three you get. Two, indefinite detention. Should you choose to decline participation in Project Zero Dawn, you will be confined indefinitely. You will be given 48 hours to reconsider, after which your decision to refuse participation will be considered irrevocable. Every reasonable effort will be made to make your term of confinement as comfortable as possible, but you will not be permitted contact with the outside world, and death within 18 months due to the Pharaoh Plague is inevitable. When the Zero Dawn facility is abandoned, detainees who wish not to opt for medical euthanasia will be released. Which brings us on to option three, medical euthanasia. The information you have just received understandably calls into question the purpose of continuing to live. If you would prefer to end your life at this point, pain-free medical euthanasia is available. A 48-hour waiting period is required, during which time you may instead opt for participation or confinement. Please notify a counsellor when you're ready to make your choice, or if you have further questions. I mean, it doesn't exactly sound very pleasurable, does it? <laughs> so you get kidnapped, taken to this random facility, and then you're told that basically your life's going to end. One way or another. Yeah. One of the more chilling things that I found was um, kind of the message to the rest of humanity that said, we've got this project and that you need to fight for it to give us time to fulfil this project. Mm. But they were basically just leading lambs to the slaughter to try and buy as much time as possible. That was pretty. Yeah, there's a lot of unethical things going on, weren't there? Yeah. And there was that one, I don't know if you came across it, but there was... um, there's one room where I had voice recordings and it was like four or five separate voice recordings of the same conversation, mm. but it was like gradually edited. And I think it was like, um, I think it was a husband leaving a message for his wife. And then because they didn't want to let on quite what was happening in the facility, they kept modifying it. So at his end, his end, like what he was trying to say, didn't really come across in the end to what he said to his wife. Mm. So basically, the, the information going out was manipulated, essentially. Right. So that wasn't very pleasant either. I don't think I uh, came across that one. I think that the ones that I remembered was, was I think there was the, there's a room where, like, I think for each machine there was, it was like a separate person that was that was i think gone through you know the the options that they had to go through yeah and like each person's like obviously response to that was different where like someone were just like really desperate like you know what's going on like what why do i have to do this why do i have to be here like you should let me leave and stuff but like obviously they weren't allowed to leave at all so like each one was like almost like really really chilling hmm. um how like everyone would just kind of like you've got this option or die basically like what what are you gonna do yeah it showed just like how bleak it was during those times like it's 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 basically like humanity will die will you help like protect the future or just will you be like a body to the, to the machines basically <laughs> Can you just imagine that? You suddenly just whipped off the street and they just told, oh yeah, by the way, in about 18 months, we're all gone. Yeah. 
you got to do something about it. Yeah. Did you, um, oh, I, I imagine you, you probably would have come across it. The ones where I think we were going through the Devil's Thirst. I think initially there was some of the recordings of, you know, the, the soldiers that have been posted to, like, you you got to defend here and basically yeah. buy us time for this project. Like some of them were quite happy initially. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Yeah, we get to shoot shoots. things. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And, like, towards the end of it, it was just like, why have we done this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Should, should we talk about the actual gameplay, then? Yeah. Hmm. Looks very nice, environment-wise. It's mean, oh, some definitely. beautiful landscapes, definitely. isn't it? Oh yeah, I, I thought it was, it was one of the best-looking games on PlayStation Four. Easy. Uh, environment-wise, I'll give you that. Character models, bit iffy, I think. They look a bit plasticky. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, I noticed going yeah. back to it recently. It's like, yeah, they don't look they, up to snuff. They they feel very um, Bethesda. <laughs> But the environments do look really nice. I like how varied the, the whole world is as well. Mm. You've essentially, like, where you start off, it's obviously very snowy and stuff. Yeah. And, like, the next area you kind of go into, goes into, like, a into like the desert kind of type. Well, you've got forests as well, haven't you? But then you've got, like, yeah, forest and kind of, like, the bomb sort of left side of stuff. So it's all very varied and stuff. But, like, really well realised as well, like, how all areas kind of mesh quite nicely but I like I, how the sorry I like how the machines have their own little ecosystems as well where you'd see certain ones together hmm. and yeah, there's yeah. certain little groups yeah because they, they did obviously well all the animals are sort of represented in animal aren't they that's kind of their design yeah and they kind of in some way act like animals like animals yeah yeah so they in herds and things like that and they even start like grazing I mean there's a one moment called graze, isn't it? Well, it's literally yeah. grazing. Well, the purpose is to graze, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, combat. Should we talk about combat then? So the staple, really? oh. the staple of it, obviously, is the bow and arrow. Oh yeah. yeah. Very satisfying. And there's that unique aspect of the combat of you're scanning each machine, aren't you, to find mm-hmm. out its weak points. Yeah. And the components that you could take off it, mm. which is a good, which is a nice, a nice little thing, isn't it? Where you aim for a specific component, try and get rid of it, and sometimes it could be a weapon, couldn't it? Yeah. To get some yeah, so knock can, a machine yeah. off, uh, knock a weapon off, and then you could pick up that weapon. Mm. So I remember when I came up against the Thunder Jaw for the first time. Oh, Thunder Jaw. So that's the big thing. I think it's like just as you enter the desert, it's where you first came across it. And just this big thing is just there, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm going to have to fight this thing now. And obviously, <laughs> at that point, I'm in a fairly weak state. And that was yeah, the, that the was game that. can be pretty brutal uh, when you go from like area to area. Yeah. So you've really got to make sure you've got that concentration thing, you know, that where you slow down time, don't you? Where you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you're like in midair and you can do that. Yeah. Well, not just, just mid-air, you can do it um, sliding as well. Sliding's yeah. quite cool to use it. Yeah, you slide underneath and you've got the the one the weak points of the belly, aren't you? That's quite mm. fun to do. Mm. But it feels satisfying when you knock certain weak points off these big machines. Yeah, you can see a big chunk of health go, so you're like, oh, I've got a chance. Yes, yeah. and then you pick up their own weapon. It's like, have it! <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. but apparently that was the very first uh, machine they created. 
watched it. Like the Thunder Joe. Yeah, I watched a no clip documentary on it, and apparently that's the first one they made because they thought. Oh, I if, remember watching that. Because they thought if if we can do this one first, this big thing, we could just apply that to the smaller ones. So they thought, right, well, we'll get the most ambitious one out of the way first, because then it should work for the other ones. Hmm. But it works very well. What was your thoughts when you first met at all, Nick? Talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk <laughs> about this. It's um. It was kind of awe-inspiring just looking at the scale of it, yeah. and then yeah, it was like the Jurassic Park moment seeing the brachiosaur for the first time. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. the first one I saw, I don't know. Well, there's a few of them, so your experience might be different to mine. Um, but mine was like in the middle, walking around a shadow carja um like camp, so I had to take them out first before I could try yeah, and climb it. Yeah, I think there there is one around there. It's got some like the the. So it's got the, the beacon buildings as well around it, I think. Mm. But yeah, and then my second thought after the wow, this is massive. I hope I don't have to fight this thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought about. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to take this thing You're down. Fight, it, fight it, yeah. Well, you can, you can just hear that sound, can't you? That... Yeah, and you don't quite know. Yeah, what by it that is. point, you don't know what it is. You think, oh no, this can't be good. Mm. Then it is good. Well, they don't do much apart from just walking around in circles, do they? Well, that's it, yeah. It's more of like a, a bit of a um, a platforming sequence. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I want to talk about, the platforming in the game. Like, some of it was, I think, fairly easy because you could just put your analog stick forward and Aloy just go and do what she needed to do. There were a bit of it that was a little bit more difficult. but I wasn't a fan of the climbing mechanics in the game mm. because... Well, it's probably more of a design thing. It doesn't easily tell you where to climb things. I think in games mm. we've become used to it being pretty much highlighted where you need to go. Now, it is, yeah. but it's not clear. Yeah, sometimes you do yeah. need to stop and look a bit. It's like, I think it kind of has like white chalk or something. I think that's... When other games, it's so, like yeah. yellow or something that's easily stand out. I mean, I know the hand, hand clip things are yellow, mm. but like when you're climbing rocks, it's not easy to identify. And I think with the changing day and night, that did make it quite difficult at times. So I started climbing up halfway up a mountain, and I know I've got to get to the top. I'm just like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go now. I'll just jump over that way, hope I'll grab something, and then I just fall down a waterfall. <laughs> like, oh, that wasn't the right thing to do then. Mm. I, I think they, they tried to make it as signposted as as much as the also try and keep it um yeah they could try and keep natural. it natural aren't they yeah that's the thing it's just like where's that balance but apparently they've sort of updated it for the new one haven't they i think they've made the climbing a bit more i don't know updated more like assassin's creed-esque shall we say mm. yeah say. i think i think it's i think it's like it's it's more highlighted by the the um the focus that's it focus well, I forgot what it was called. Yeah, it's like the thing that, neon look in the new one. Yeah, because I was going to say, the focus doesn't show you the things in this one. No. Which is a surprise. Hmm. But maybe Aloy's not, as, not had as much experience with it, so she's not kind of been able to unlock certain features. Because that's one thing that Silence did really well, is like unlocking what the focus could actually do, in like showing holograms and overriding other focuses and breaking the network down and stuff like that. So... In this time think, skip, she might have learned a lot more. 
I do think that's that's something they'll probably do with the sequel though, because you don't really get to upgrade your um, your focus in the first no, game. No, you don't. So it's very kind of static. It's just it do, it what it does it does well. It's just I think at least I think in the sequel you'll be able to like probably do more of it and be able to upgrade. I think which would be good. One thing is I wanted I wanted you to be able to move faster when you've got the focus on because it does slow you down when you put the focus on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's just it's, it's very I think that's where we said this it's very Assassin's Creed esque because mm. when you use like your Assassin uh, Eagle Vision sorry it it slow it kind of slows you down to to a certain degree so yeah I think it'd be a bit of a cheat if you if you'd use it while just full sprinting <laughs> um, nah well maybe not sprinting but natural walking pace at most. Mm. It's like it's you, you can keep on when you crouch, can't you? When you're crouching, you can keep yeah. it on. But once you start moving, it's um, it like shuts itself off. Well, one thing you could do is click R1, so it kind of kept a bit of a path in front of you. So I did that mm. fairly frequently. Well, you, you can see like the path in the the, the, yeah. the the machines take as well. You keep on. I think that yeah. that was good. And also being able to see the the weak points as well. Uh, once you come out of it, it, it like highlighted where the weak points were. Yeah. yeah, and they told you what type of armor to use, where that. Mm. Now, this is one point I'm going to make is that I did find the armor types and all that quite overwhelming. There's about like nine different variations. Mm. And it I did only feel. Found, yeah. I found myself just like only doing about two or three different kinds. I found. I think. I think when I when I first initially played it, because there was a point where I had stopped playing it, and then I didn't come back to it until like it must have been like maybe two years afterwards or something. Um, but I, I was initially overwhelmed when you get like the different weapon types and stuff, like yeah. what you could do and stuff. I got a bit overwhelmed to it, but then when I when I came back into it, and the game does gradually um, introduce you to like using the different types. So you've got like Obviously, you've got the different bows. You've got like your standard bow, where it's just like. Yes, you've got a hunter normal... bow. Sh- was it hunter bow, shadow bow, and. Was it slingshot bow, something like that? I can't remember. No, I think slingshot's its own weapon. Um... I think it began with yes. Sharp shot? Is that it? Sharp shot? Could bow? be, yeah. Something like that. Something like that. But each of them have three different ammo types, don't they? Yeah, so you've got, like, you've got your normal piercing and I think fire. Everything yes. was on the normal bow. One of them was disorientation. Um, there was that like electric one as well from shock. your um, Well, yeah, yeah you, you had one where it was like your elemental boss. You had like the shock, um, corruption, freezing, and corruption. I think all three yeah. were on that one. And then you had a bow where I had like very different one where it was like disorientation, um, a, a stronger type of piercing. I think there was there was that one, and then. There was one of them. Yeah, there was tear. And then I think so the tear one I think was armor specific. It, it was very good at yeah. taking armor off. Um and then there was one where I think it was just like it was good at taking components off as well. I think there's one separate to armor. I'm not quite I sure. Was tear that one, but I don't oh, it could it could be the same thing. There's a, there's another one that I'm not quite sure on what I actually did. Um maybe stun. Although I think that's disorientation. I don't know. I think, this, this is one of them, anyway. 
Um, but then along with that, there was also the other weapons, the slingshot where you could fire um, different um, element type stuff to them. There was the, well, the trap. Well, weren't there? There's a blast slingshot. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's was there one that was very explosion-oriented and there's one that was elemental-oriented. Yeah. So I did get all the purple weapons. Yeah, I did as well. I, I collected then, them all. And obviously you can um, you upgrade them, don't you? You can put, put for what they call modifications on them. Just to make them more yes. powerful. Modifications. So you, try, so you try and... Did you try and like make each weapon unique to one thing? Or did you try and cover uh, many bases... With a weapon i think i for myself i covered as many bases to what the weapon could use so like if so like if the like the slingshot with the the fire the ice and the so you put one modification for each one electric yeah so i'd have a modification that was strong in say like electric i have another modification that's strong in fire and I have another yeah. one for like ice the, i i did a separate i kind of made each one individual to one thing really Okay, so it was like strong in. So I like put everything on fire for one of them, which was really good. Okay, I probably so when, should. Didn't I? <laughs> that was really good for the um, glint orcs, so like the small flying ones. Oh, I they, hated yeah. them. They just wrecked them. It was so annoying. In one shot, that just completely wrecked them for me. But the only thing, the only thing I didn't like there is that because I was doing that, you could only have four weapons on your weapon wheel, couldn't you? Mm, yeah, you could only have four weapons on one. So that was annoying. Wish I could have had more. Because then yeah, I had to keep switching up. But I think that, that also led to me not using certain ones. So like the shock thing. I barely use shock. Cause oh, I quite like shock. I never really used it. There was, there was a, a weapon I didn't like too much, which I think it was the the ones that fired the, the spears. It was it was more of like a close... It was more of like human fighting than I think anything else. You got it sort of towards um... the end. I can't remember what that were called. Against I the humans, I just used normal arrows. I did like the, the tripwire one. I thought that trip was pretty cast. cool. Yeah. Tripcast. I thought that was a pretty cool one. Yeah, I used um, that towards the beginning, but then I found myself using it less and less, because I just thought, I'm just going to shoot the animal. Shoot the machine. I used it more for um, what's the what's the one? The one that goes like underground. The rock breaker. The rock I breaker. hated the. I, I never managed to kill one of them. That's easily my that's easily my worst machine in the entire game. I hated them. It was really annoying because a, a lot of it was timing of when it came out. Oh, it tried to grab it, obviously you dodge, but then you gotta like shoot. It's weak yeah. points at that point, but it was it was one of the more annoying fights. Because I did all the um, corrupted zones, and one of those corrupted yeah, zones, one of those corrupted zones, there's two of them. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, that was, was a very difficult fight. That was very difficult. I just ended up running through there like, nope, not today, <laughs> Satan, or <laughs> Hades. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they were some of the more difficult fights. But so, what was your favourite machine? Is the one you actually liked? I think for me, it's probably the tall necks. Just the, the docile style nature of them. I yeah. think because they're just not attacking you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, my favorite to fight against. Well, Maybe like just the, just your just your favorite machine. Favorite. Doesn't have to be the favorite to fight against. Um. I like the Stormbird. I thought they were very really cool. Stormbird. Yeah. 
Because remember, there's one where you climb, you what a side quest, don't you? You climb up the sound of the snowy mountains, and you have yeah. to fight one of them. It's like right yeah. at the top. But it was just very picturesque that is that you just went up there and there's just this open snowy area, isn't there? And there's just this massive stormbird just sitting there on this rock in the middle. Right, <laughs> I, that's where photo mode came out. I had to take a photo of that because it, it just oh, looked really nice. It's just this yeah. open, nice white environment, and then this large stormbird sat there. And then he tried to kill you, but you know that's bad about it, isn't it? But it was graceful to begin with. Initially, and then you annoyed it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the I like the sawtooths. I thought sawtooths were were a good. Which ones the sawtooths? Yeah. So they were like the the tiger esque ones. Well, they're the really annoying ones that always jumped at you and tried to slash you. That sounds about right. Yeah. There's there's at one point if if you did all the um you know the oh what were they called the challenges you know in Meridian there's there's little like um, hunter group where you had to do oh the lodge lodge that was yeah it. hunter's lodge yeah there there's one in the desert one if you do them all I think the last challenge you have to do is you have to take out some like free free sawtooths and a, and a fun draw. Yes. But yeah, by doing it, I think you had to do it by using uh, the Thunder Jaws weapons as well. I think there's like a certain thing where you couldn't you couldn't kill the the saw uh, the saw but you had to take out the Thunder Jaw. Um, it's like machines or whatnot. Uh, it's weapons, but that was a good challenge. That it took me a good few tries to get through that. The the lodge uh, challenges were pretty cool. I, I did like them. Yeah, I did the main like side quests in the Hunter's Lodge. But you know, you go to that little kiosk, don't you? And they they give you something, don't they? If you, yeah. That's I think that's that for doing for those Hunter Trial things, I think. Yeah, I think you have to do the Hunter Trials. Those I never really. Yeah. It was like the half suns and all that. The yeah. Suns and that kind of thing. I never really did any of that. Oh, I, I think. <laughs> I think it's because early in the game, obviously I wasn't that good, and my weapons were pretty pants. So, and, uh, I did I did the the ones that you had to do first just to get the um because you have to do that to get access to Hunter's Lodge first, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Because you have to do, get three half suns. So I did that, got to Hunter's Lodge, did the side missions in there, blah blah blah. But I never went back and actually did continue with the trials. Whereas now, because my Aloy is a beast, I could probably have gone back and done much better hey, on that, but I just haven't. Nope. They were fun. Well, what do we think to the uh, the collectibles within this game? Um, it's, it's the same as every collectibles in every game, though, is it really? They just end up becoming a bit annoying. <laughs> if you find it, you find it. If not, it just is what it is. I don't like it. It's, they, they're not. It gives you a large area, a relatively large area to search for. Does it? I mean, you buy these yeah. maps, don't you? Yeah, you can get the maps for them. And then it gives you a relatively large area to look for. And then you go and use your focus, but if you're not specifically near that thing, mm. it won't show up on your focus. So you've still got to run around in that area trying to find it. And then other yeah. things are glowing up as well. Mm. It's like, nope, that's not what I'm after. But I mean, you went and collected a ball, didn't you? Well, well platinum, so. I missed the platinum for this game. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it did take a while. Was it worth it? Do you get a reward for doing that? The platinum is reward enough. I suspect that's probably going to be the truth. That, actually. Do you, do you I know you uh, when you hand them in, you get like the 
you can send them into those traders, don't you, in Marine? Yeah. And they'll they'll give you like the the what is it the the crates they can get certain things out. Of. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I'd say those crates they just accumulated. I don't think I barely opened any of them. <laughs> they do they do when you've got like if you like your your backpacks full or you've got all all the like materials out of them. How often did that happen to you? <laughs> so much. There, there was to a point where I, I'd go to the traders and I'd just start selling something like the sticks and stuff because like i've got too many i've got too many yeah take this wood <laughs> i have that big yeah thing. here's the wood here's here's all the rabbit skin uh bones and whatnot what do you I think didn't ki- oh sorry go no go i was gonna say i didn't kill many of the animals i was just oh you didn't upgrade too from... much of your uh your, like well, covers this, and that yeah well <laughs> this is the thing i i purposely went and did all the hunting stuff to upgrade as much as possible before i i, I did that story. But you can, so it was just gonna say you can upgrade your carrying capacity up to 120 slots. Mm, yeah. Which I managed to do. And then I, I still found out that that still wasn't enough. But yeah. It's cause, you, you hold a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> each, each slot you get to like about 50 items, can't you? So you might get 50 sticks. Some of them can be 100 as well. Yeah. It varies depending on. Oh, what I think it is. yeah, I think with the sticks you get like two hundred. Oh, is it two hundred fifty? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere. But other things like other components. Things like, yeah. Was it slag shine, which is an interesting. Excuse thing. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I well, think you can only have fifty of those. But the thing is, there was a lot of things to pick up, and I didn't really know the purpose of me picking those things up. I know it's a crafting in some form. Yeah, for me, it was just getting as much as possible to sell to the traders to buy the stuff that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like the um the quick crafting in the menu. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was really good. Yeah. Crafting the arrows. Crafting the arrows and that, that's really... Yeah. So it shows you exactly what... Sweet. So when you highlight it, it shows you exactly what is required to craft the thing. How many you've got, just craft it there and then. Very quick. No, that was really good. And I didn't find the, the hunting things when you're hunting the animals. I didn't find that too strenuous either. I was a bit worried that was going to be a bit too laborious. Because there's, there's some form of RNG to it, isn't there? Because you might need a fox skin and you might need a fox bone. Yeah. I, I it, think... was, it was a bit random what you got. Yeah. There, there was a point where um, I started focus, focusing purely on hunting just to get all the upgraded yeah, stuff. Tried it, yeah. I did find it a, a little annoying on the RNG of like finding like oh you got to find a turkey yeah. now I've got to find a goose now I've got to yeah. get fish. <laughs> yeah, but there's like, like I did find like there's like certain parts of the map where you can get a good amount of those. Yeah, animals will be in one place. Well, you can like on on the map once you find a certain animal, it will show like oh you can find this animal here predominantly. Um, yeah, I know there's same a, with machines as well. Yeah, there's a forest near the start where i just went for all the animals pretty much you can find the turkey you can find the fox you can find the boar mm. so, and then there's Rat. like um yeah the, well the rats were near a lake nearby so i got the fish and the rats at the lake. oh yeah the fish as well. yeah but just running around shooting something with an arrow is it a green or is it a purple symbol that appears above it because that tells you the rarity of the item they have doesn't it mm. if it was a and white oh, no, so, i got annoyed so it's green and blue for them but yeah, if it was blue, it was it was bone, blue. I think, I think it was like the no blue was skin. 
think green was bone. Green was bone. And then if you get a white symbol, it's just like, oh, that's that. that you saw that me. one. Yeah. yeah, just run away. Let's oh, just go me. catch another one. Yeah. But there was, I think there was um, a perk you could get, which improved the rate of the things you got, which helped in that. Mm. But I'll tell you what, one thing I did like is the, um, so if you go to the trader and you wanted to buy, I don't know, an outfit or weapon or whatever, you could create a job. Did you ever use that function? No, I didn't use that. This was really good. So basically, it, it, so if you, so let's say I'm going to buy, I wanted to buy this weapon and it requires, mm. I don't know, thousand shards, thousand metal shards, one fox skin. And two fish bones, whatever. You could create, you could push, uh, create job, and it would basically turn that into an emmond. And so when you go back onto the game, it'll give you, it'll tell you in the top what you need to get. And oh, then it, cool. it just makes a quest telling you oh, you need yeah. to go and get a fox skin, yeah. you need to go and get a fish bone or whatever. That was really good. That was really useful. I mean, I just went and I made a load of emmonds in the menu. Mm. So that means I didn't have to keep going back to the traders and say, oh, I need this to get this. Mm-hmm. I just made all these errands and say, right, I can just go out and get all these things, do the thing, come back. Hey, I'll buy a thing now, please. So I got all the um, the rare outfits, all the rare weapons. Oh, yeah, I think I got, I got those, yeah. Because so, there's no point in having the the half-arsed weapon. There is weaponry, is there? No, no you've got to go for the best. Got the whole hog. Um, should we talk about the Frozen Wilds? Did you complete Ooh, the DLC? Mm. I've completed them. What do you think to that? Because that's tougher than the main game. Very difficult. Yeah. This this is where the game like goes into like almost like Dark Souls levels of just difficulty. <laughs> mm. But really enjoyed it. I, I did like the the new machines. The um, I suppose the the polar bear. Frostclaw. Frostclaw was, was Frostclaw finished. and the Fireclaw. Yes. They were not annoying. pleasant. No, no. Neither was um was it one at the end? The Scorcher. I think it's the Scorcher yes. you, you you see first is the first one that you fight against. Um and they're initially annoying. And then once you go into like the Frostclaw fights, they're they're pretty tough. And I think the fire ones right at the end, I think that's the, the boss one. Yeah. I think. But all very challenging. Very, very challenging. Um but did like the, the added sort of law to it. Sort of like this this other tribe that's that's kind of stayed there and they believe I think they, they, they were very like a like a like a, a almost like a religious kind of type cult in a way. The whole storm thing that was going on that you had to eventually get to. Yeah, they um Oh, what was the mountain called now? Thunder Drum. Thunder's Drum. Ah, that's it. Yeah, Thunder Drum. That's it. it. sounds like an ACDC song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting how like, they, they essentially worshipped one of the AIs, um, which was Cyan, which I don't, I don't know if it was a part of the original collection. I think it might have been. Most probably. More likely. Um, but that's that's one that sort of gets infected. I'd say I didn't like I say Hades, or it was it was a different one, I think. I'd say I didn't particularly like that last level bit. Were you inside that Thunder's drum, yeah. Yeah. 
wasn't a particular fan of all that. I think the cauldrons in general and that kind of sort of indoorsy thing. Mm. I wasn't a massive fan of. I can understand why they were there. Mm. And I'm glad there weren't too many of them. Because it would have been easy to have this overwhelming amount of them. But I think yeah, there's only about yeah. four or five, isn't there? But you do get that perk, don't you, of being able to take control of animals. Animals. Machines. Oh, well, the, the new machines. Yeah, so each each cauldron you completed, you get to take over a certain amount oh, of yeah, machines, the don't yeah. you? Oh, yeah, so you got, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the last one was the one for Thunderjone Stormbird. Yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to creep them on the Stormbird, though. No, I'm not sure how. How you, how you do it. Um, you probably should have to, like, tie it down, because you, you had the yeah. weapon as well that could, yeah. like, ties them to the ground and stuff. I wish I'd use that more often. That was very useful, especially for Thunder Jaws, being able to like take them over. Once you got Thunder Jaw on your side, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you started absolutely decimating every other <laughs> machine around. Did you get the new weapons from those worlds? So it's three new weapons, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was the. There was, was like a fire, fire one. Uh, I can't remember the names of it, but yeah, there's like a fire. Just, it's basically like a flamethrower. Yeah. Forge fire. Right, it was That's it. Forge fire. Yeah. Forge fire, and then there was like an ice variant of that. Um, ice rail. Yes, the ice rail. Yes. Uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. And then you had the storm slinger, which was just like an upgraded, but I suppose it was just a thunder variant of the other two, wasn't it? Just. Is that the shock one? Yeah. Right. Then like I, the three I don't think I ever, I think I ever used that one. Shoot all. all all the different variants and stuff. Yeah, um, don't think I use that one. Did you get the 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 Bannock boats, the upgraded boats? I did. Yes. Yeah. They were they were fun to use. No, Frozen Wilds was pretty good as well. Just actually as well a little bit on the on the machines. And I did, I didn't realize this. Maybe I don't, I don't know if it was something you you guys might have came up to. But each each machine has a um, as a way to evolve. Where essentially got it, it gets heavier um, armored plates apparently, which I didn't, I didn't realize in this game that it does that. Oh. Um, so it's, it's saying here that um, as Aloy kills kind of more more machines, they have a, a way to essentially adapt by getting better additional plates and that. And there's, there's like there's a number of like how many you need to kill for them to evolve in effect. So it's like Stormbird, uh, Stormbird, if you killed it once, the next time you come across it, it's got more armoured plates on it. Which I didn't realise. But so now I'm like... What we're saying here is the best way to go around the game is just to avoid fighting them all. Yeah, avoid so weak. anything and just... Uh... <laughs> but saying that, if you don't kill them, you end up being weak as well, so I guess it's a True. good progression system. No, I didn't realise that. It's like stuff like the... Um, like long leg. That was an annoying machine. Long legs. Um, They're the ones like like, like um like birdish kind of thing, but they did fly. Yeah, they they use like sound sound waves to, to oh, attack yes. as well. Yeah. Um, I just used to call them robot chickens. I bugger off, robot chicken. chicken. I mean, you're not wrong. No. Probably. I mean, bit bigger than the chicken, but we'll go with it. Uh, just a bit. <laughs> yeah. I do wish you could you could ride more of the uh, machines in this one as well. That was a really useful perk to get. That we it was very it. useful. Like that was one of the key ones to get early on, I think. 
yeah. as possible. The riding the machines. Like going going on a going on a strider and just going in one direction. Just like that's yeah. it. Let's go. That's one thing I wish I'd done more of because I did a lot of it on foot because I, I struggled sometimes taking machines over. So I go on foot quite a bit. And I did take machines over at some point, and that sped up the well, process. This is where I've travelled a lot. This is where the perk comes into it, because there's a perk where you can just whistle for one. Yeah, it'll just come. Oh wow! That was very useful. Mm. That very was that was the one you, should, you need to get. You always get like a strider though. Like I, I always wanted to get. Um... I think there was three different ones in different areas. So whichever area of the map you're in, you get. Oh, could you get it? Yeah, there's the. Strider was the one, which was like the horse one. I think it was the was it Charger, like the moose. Yeah, the Charger. Yeah. Moose kind of one. And I think the other one was just like a massive bull, wasn't it? Like, um, I think it was like the Trampler or something like that. No, originally in the game they were going to have Ava on a horse. So yeah, you know. I heard that. Yeah. yeah it would have been cool. It would have been nice to see some of them. But the the reason, well. The reason they got rid of it is because they wanted Aloy to be unique. The fact that she could go around these environments quickly on these... That she could oh, essentially machine. take over these animals. Mm. I keep saying animals when I mean machines. <laughs> she could take over these machines. Whereas if she were a horse, anybody could ride a horse. There was no, It wasn't a unique aspect to her. So that's why oh. they got rid of it. That's, that's good. Yeah, it's a good swap. I, I just wanted to be able to go on like a like one of the um, Glinderhawks. I love it if you could just fly around. Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Or just like oh, please be Stormbird. Just please attacking be things with your bow from above. Yeah, how yeah. oh, cool that would be. Oh, for a bit of West, please have that. <laughs> I do hope you could do have like some sort of like sea animal to be sea machine to be able to take control. Well, you could swim in the new one, can't you? So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, like, like climbing um, onto a, Maybe there's a dolphin for us. Yeah. Oh, that'd be insane. Yeah. Get on, get on one of the um, what is it? Snap moors. <laughs> oh, the snap moors. Oh man, those things. They they were annoying. Yeah. Fun to fight, but like very annoying. They were really cool, but I didn't like mm. fighting them. Yeah, because they used to like gang up on you and spit stuff at you, and then you'd get some yeah. that creep up and do close range and whip you with the tail and. Yeah, come yeah. just gobble. That was not fun. <laughs> the stalkers as well. Oh, the invisible ones. They were there. Stealth ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have those red light things. On the floor. And they're like, oh no, there's a stalker. Who knows why I am now? <laughs> there's a stalker around here. <laughs> run away, run away. Well, I did like the, the fast travel aspect as well. I did like the fact that they weren't few, they weren't few and far between the camps. They were dotted yeah. all over the they place. They were very right? generous for the camps, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And the traders, did you always collect your free chest? Oh, yeah. The traders, yeah. Always, yeah. I did until I got full, and then I didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. And then I was just like, right, well, I'm just holding chest now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that there's like seven pages of chests that I've just not opened. I'm just like, well, what's the point? I opened them, I collect some items, and then the other ones just say I can't pick them up yet. Then just remains on that list. One of the bits that I just want to bring up briefly is um, there's a point in the game where you get in the override for Hades, and um, it goes through a recording of um, Ted Farrow deleting Apollo, mm. 
and killing all the people that set the um yeah the alphas oh, yeah. the alphas yeah i just think that was quite like an interesting moment because in the, when you first look at it, you think oh he's pretty much doomed humanity to have a really low level of knowledge but i think in a way he was trying to stop humanity from repeating his mistake well, I think that's that, that was and like giving them the op giving them the option yeah. to start afresh in a way even though I think that's more damaging that they didn't know that they don't know well you you would think that with, with the information that they were going to pass on it, was, it would be just like here's how we effed up <laughs> don't do it don't do yeah, this. this is what not <laughs> yeah. don't do this thing with don't, don't do this thing that I've done but it was, it was an interesting, uh, interesting character um, Ted was, because I think that that that's where you initially find out when you when you go into the the massive metal tower. It was like, oh, I've he's had this idea, of being able to like uh, basically automate machines that would help help humanity initially, obviously, because he had like the whole peacekeeper stuff and that. And then obviously then this virus guy and he's like, oh, what do I do? And then like Elizabeth's just like. Shut up, you idiot! This is what we're gonna do, basically. Yeah. Um, Sign this. Yeah. Sign this, and then we're gonna be doing it because th- th- this is all we can do, really. Because you've effed the planet. But then for for them to like come into that meeting with all the, I think it was the the heads of each AI was next thing. Each AI had yeah. like a head that was well, uh, that through, is get a like speciality a, into it, wasn't it? Yeah, you get like a monologue and like a. A hologram of them talking about what their AI is going to be to their teams. I think yeah. that was quite interesting. Yeah, I do. I really do like the law to this game. Um, mm. Well, it could happen. Still... That's the scary thing about it. Well, hopefully not in my lifetime. But, uh, <laughs> but it was. Uh, it's a very interesting world that they've built, and um, I'm certainly looking forward to. So how they continue it in, in the sequel. Because I think mm. you, you find out... So I think Horizon Zero Dawn is... I forgot what, what, what state it's, it's based in. Is it some like... That's on the Arizona-Utah border. Okay, so it's, it's somewhere in Arizona then, maybe. I'm guessing so. We'll all see. But like... It was nice to like see. Okay, so it was based in here because there was one one of the corrupted zones has like one of the is that Monument Valley at some point. I'm one of them has a vantage point there that you can see like what, where it was meant to be and stuff. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah. So I like to see how they build it for the sequel. Is this going to be in San Francisco? Because it's got the. the I, I assume part of it is San Francisco. I, I, I doubt it's going to be all there. No, I think it had like one of the bridges that's obviously... Yeah, Golden Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge, I think it had it in there, so... Yeah. No, I certainly look forward to uh, to the sequel. Yeah. Got to admit, when I first started the game, I never thought it'd turn into what it did in terms of the story. Mm. So I didn't know what to expect from it, but it it went beyond my imagination, to be honest, in terms of what it did. Yeah, I think it's definitely one more interesting takes on like a post-apocalyptic world kind of story where the world's actually kind of rebuilding itself i say my thoughts on this because i've i only recently just played this for the very first time because i think i might have mentioned this off mic to you too but 
when the first reveal for this game was. Was it 2015 or something? Probably. Yeah, smart. I'd say it didn't look interesting to me. I didn't. I didn't care about the look of this game. There was something about it that just like just didn't grasp me. I think it's another another game with someone with a bow and arrow shooting things. Didn't really grasp me. And then of course it came out and everyone's like, "Oh, this is brilliant! <laughs> this is amazing!" <laughs> and I thought, "Well, well, I don't know. They still got a lot of other games to play." Maybe, you know, these people seem to like it, you know, uh, let them have their thing. And then obviously it became a few years after that. Got the game on the cheap because everyone kept banging on about it. So, well, there must be something to it. And then obviously I played it about a month ago for the very first time. Blew me away. Oh, yeah, maybe I was a bit wrong about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the sequel now. Which is coming out February the 18th, I believe. Yeah, not long. Hmm. But I'm I'm kind of glad I played it recently though, because then it's fresh in my memory, all that stuff now. That's it. It's like watching a show on Netflix versus having to wait for the um, seasons to come out one by one. So there you have it, Horizon Zero Dawn into the video game hall of fame. If you enjoyed listening to us, please continue tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website jokingdolphin.com, where we post the hall of fame. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter, at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye.